Watch the update required podcast live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST on YouTube. Yeah, fuck the intro. We're just dropping in. No intro. None. You know what? I have to clip that shit out anyway every time that I put the episodes up on Spotify. So <laughs> that's one last thing. That's there just, you go. I think that's efficiency, my friend. I think that's just that's us right. becoming more efficient. Give uh, the people what they want. No foreplay. <laughs> yeah. Give the, no intro. Get it we, in. We didn't even write that intro. I just, I ripped that intro. The music. The, the background and shit moving and like the little elements. I did that. But like Don't give the away music, your secrets, man. Like, yeah, I ripped, I ripped that shit. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a shit. secrets, buddy. Buddy, I don't Dude, give a fuck. <laughs> a magician never gives away his secrets. Ish know? has been called. I feel like we started at seven on the dot. We were not tardy. I feel like we were right on time. Yeah. You know, that's Hence no intro. <laughs> Yeah. The intro would have made us tardy. You yeah. Know? Like that was, we were just being considerate. But since you want to be a jerk about it, no, honestly, thank you for coming out. And yeah. uh, as always, Laura, thank you for being here, checking out the stream. You're the champ, buddy. Um, Yeah, we got a lot mm-hmm. of uh, gaming news today, a lot of things to talk about. Uh, But yeah, it's been another week since, we, since we've last convened. Uh, what have you been up to, Jay Retro? So you finished your vacation last week, you're back to work. Uh, what you've been playing? What you've been up to? Well, I finally won a game in that NHL tournament my friends are having. <laughs> and I was I was choked, though, because I should have won win? two games. No, I should have won two games. So and like, no, like Buddy was playing pretty well. Like, I'm not trying to make him sound like he's bad at the game. But like, I was like, given the standings, I was like, this was the guy I was supposed to win against. Right. Basically, I was like, OK, I actually play more NHL than this person. And everybody else plays more NHL than me. So like, this is my chance. And in the first game, I, like, dominated. Like, the shots were, like, 40 to 9 or something ridiculous. And he won 1 to nothing with, like, this, like, fluky goal in the third after I just completely dominated play the whole game. And it was, like, 0-0 the whole time. And I was like, cool. Yeah, that's good. Even when I play well. uh, Fuck my life. And then in the very next game, though, I won 4 to 1. So at least that happened. Nice. Oh, I, I, you know, I, I proved that I had been dominating play and actually got some of the pucks to go in the the net. So I, I have uh, a new opponent now that I'll have to play. I'm very interested to see how those games go, but it was, it was fun. If nothing else, I've gone into this whole tournament expecting to get waxed. So at least it's been a fun time. Uh, So like you've won, you've won a game. Yeah. So like, that's good. You've won two, Uh, right? Uh no, just the one. Just the just one. The okay. one. My, my record is like abysmal, but that's not the point. I still feel good. I'm coming off a of victory, and you're only as good as your last game, right? So there you, there go. you go. There you go. And uh, you know, we're all gonna make playoffs, and then that's when I'll actually have to be good at the game anyways. So that'll be fun. Um, and then yeah, I've been playing a bunch of just retro stuff on the PS Classic. I spent a while yesterday figuring out streaming on YouTube and like getting ready to stream on YouTube. And then I spent so long figuring stuff out in OBS that like didn't work anymore with my new laptop. And like, Oh my God, it's really annoying with my capture card. Cause I have to like, unplug my extra hard drive like unplug my usb hub because the freaking capture card won't go through the usb hub it has to go directly into the freaking laptop and like i just had a whale of a time just getting all the shit to just work and then like by the time i'd done that i was like i don't want to stream anymore like now (laughs) now i know right 
I know the steps I will have to take when I do stream. So that's good. But like, man, it was, uh, it was not the grandest of times. And then I made a new video on, uh, the mega drive too, which I put up yesterday. So that's, uh, that's out there. You can check that out. I what do you mean? We, we should flash out on the channel real quick here. Bindu in the chat, ba 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 Rudol. How the hell Welcome are you? Welcome aboard. Welcome um, aboard. I just saw Bindu share via Twitter house. that he just finished Metroid Dread and that it was Tweet Tweeter. Yeah, uh, was how was Tweeter. Metroid Dread? How do you feel about it, Bindu? I have yeah. I played it for like two Sc- minutes. Scale of one to ten. Scale of one to ten. Yeah. Metroid Give Dread. us a scale one to ten, Bindu. How was Metroid Dread? Um one being the worst game ever, ten being uh, oh, a 10. Oh, a solid 10. A solid 10. Says very difficult. Difficult game. What's another game you would 10. rate 10 out of 10? This is always Ooh. a good way to gauge. Like That is. That's a good metric. All right. So I'm very curious. he's coming up with that. So this is, uh, I hate that it can't just like, I just want like a big version of your thumbnail with the with the shit on it like i have to like load and like anyone who makes content knows that like if you're doing any talking head content if anyone pauses the fucking video at any point you look stupid you're just like you're making you're making a face no matter what like it's almost hard to capture just like a normal face like in mid conversation but That's check true. out jay retro's new video he's been doing a series on a lot of the controversy going on with these mini consoles we'll get more on that later but He's been picking up some mad views, so go check out his channel. Make sure you're subbed. Make sure you like the video. Give it some love uh, so the YouTube algorithm can, like, grant it its uh, some, I don't know. It's what. in the sun. That that algorithm, man. <laughs> yeah, the, it's just like, yeah, you got to make a sacrifice or something. Or, and then, it's a fickle bitch. Like, it's because, like, the stuff that uh, catches on often, I'm like, I don't know what I did different. Like, I don't know why this is doing better. Like, I felt that way about this video. It's, it's what did going I do different? Well. Just tell yeah. me. And I felt like I was late to the party. I was like, uh, like I freaking should have made this video five days ago, but it's doing pretty well. So I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe I was sharp. Maybe people just aren't on the ball with this one. That's but like, yeah. yeah. Like I've had that before. Like uh, there have been videos I've made where I like, I've made scripts. I do like multiple cuts of like different angles. Like I put in, um, B roll. Like I do all this voiceover. Like I fucking make like an epic little fucking mini film. And dog eats dog shit like eats dog shit for views and like the views that i do get people are like this video is amazing how come it's only got so many views and i'm just like i don't know i will fucking accidentally hit record off the cusp of like an argument and then like say some shit it won't be edited like i'll have like a fucking piece of food in my facial hair the video will crush fucking absolutely crush and you're just like why and then Why? it's and it's to show you that like hard work doesn't equal more views on YouTube. Like it's just like so it's true. right topic, right title, right time, right thumbnail. And then it's just all happenstance. And it's also like who watches it, how many people, I don't know. 
It's I don't think it's exclusive to YouTube too. Like, I think that's just art. And as artists, it's often really hard for us to process that. It's like at the end of the day, all that really matters is the end product. Yeah. And so if you spend like 90 hours in your jam room, like working out this super techie metal song with your bandmates, you're all really proud of it. And you're like, oh man, we're doing so much cool math. It doesn't necessarily mean people are all going to jam on it. And like they might. And if they do, then that's super cool. But they won't appreciate it any more than the song that took like a band 30 minutes to write that just freaking bangs and is like some super simple chuggy riffs and like whatever. Apply that to anything, right? Yeah. Um, you could spend forever making a experience. movie. <laughs> yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All people give a shit about is the end product. And as an artist, you always feel more invested in it because you spent all that time in it. But like whether it took you a year to write a book or five years to write a book, all anybody cares about is like, was it a good book? Right. So that's a that's a cool statement, too. Like, and it's also to say, like, like, it's cool when you have your own personal self growth, whether it's with a talent or it's like a new skill that you've learned. But like if the people that are going to see your content are going to see the thing that you do, if they like a certain thing that you did and you're like, no, like my new thing because it's so much better because I learned all these things, it never translates. They're always just going to be like, fuck you, play the play the old thing or do the old thing. And you're like, well, I don't want to do that anymore because that's beneath me. You got to get out of that mindset. Like if people like a video where you're just fucking rambling off the cuff, like with no cuts do 10 more of it like I was just, say, there you go. that's your niche now ramble yeah. more right like give people what they want yeah and if you write a song where all you do is chug on the lowest string write all your songs like that like if people love it like because we've been there we're like i've eaten it on stage playing this cool tech metal song that we thought were, was super rad it was super convoluted and you play it in front of an audience and everyone just standing there being like they don't know what to do. They don't know. They can't bob to it because the rhythm is weird. And it's like a different time signature. But then the dudes come on after you who play one note and just rock it in four, four time, crush you, just absolutely decimate yeah. you. And you're just like, you don't even use most of your guitar. <laughs> you're just like, they're like, we don't need to, bitch. <laughs> no one cares, man. Like people just care if it bangs. And it, yeah, it's the same with anything, right? Like. If an indie game took uh, like one guy to program or, you know, a massive triple A game took a whole team, does that matter? Like, no, what matters is what enjoyment you get out of either of those gaming experiences. Totally. Right? And either one can be just as valid. So. There's been many examples of times where the indie developers make a truly innovative game that the triple A developers don't even catch on to for years or like AAA developers putting out uh, games that just like, you're just like, there's no excuse for like this kind of lack of oversight in your game when you're this huge developer and fucking like Joe Schmo and fucking Tom Nobody make a game in their bedrooms and it kicks ass. And it's got the, the shoot and run slide technique before anyone yeah. else had it. There you go, right? Freaking Johnny the intern came up with a winner there. Ahoy hoy in the chat. What the hell? How the yeah, hell are up? you? I was gonna say how the hell are you, but I just put what the hell? Whatever. What what in the hell? Uh guitar wires, I'll take it. <laughs> guitar wires. I we could come up with like even more more brutal things to call them though. Guitar blades. I don't know. <laughs> it should have it should have a cool name like that. 
barbed wire, different gauges. Barbed wires. That's, that sounds like you could make a brand of guitar strings called barbed wires. And I bet you the same sorts of kids that buy BC rich guitars would buy the shit out of that. Totally. I absolutely agree. I remember getting a set of guitar strings that were like coated in black. And I thought that was so fucking metal. And I was like, these are so brutal, but it just wears off like instantly. <laughs> it's yeah, like, I had oh. the black strings one time too. Yeah. yeah. I paid for paint. I paid for paint. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it sure was temporarily neat. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice if you just like maybe you string up a guitar and then it's just for looking like it's not for playing. Have you ever played like I played like on like a miniature bass one time that had rubber strings? Never. It was life. the they were black rubber. It was so weird. Yeah, that I don't know those weird. like music man. Like you're plucking shit. a bunch of G, like a bunch of thongs. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a horny just playing yeah. this. <laughs> Gross. Uh, <laughs> Gross. Do we do we have some news? We're way out to lunch right now. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Let's let's go there. Let's stay the night and order pay per view. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, let's get into some news here. So this is this came out of nowhere. Jay Retro and I were just talking about this. Uh, I was stunned because I thought they were kind of like it with the game but cyberpunk 27 phantom liberty expansion receives first teaser and Hey-o. keanu reeves returns will he play it this time though that's the big question it was a spoiler for the ending of the game for me like as someone who's still playing through it i'm like oh so keanu reeves doesn't die and i guess like my character doesn't either that's cool um but yeah i don't know i'm pretty stoked that there will be more of it i do enjoy the game like we were talking about that i think in its current state after all the patches and everything if you have a decent pc or one of the new generation of consoles i think cyberpunk's a blasty blast I think it's a great example. It's become a great example to me of how you can have a terrible launch and still save a game to some degree. Like people will always remember it for having like the most atrocious launch ever, pretty much. But I don't know. I think a lot of us will also remember it as a game that we had a bunch of good experiences with. And like, I know that I have friends that have played it that feel the same way about it. Like I had one buddy who was like, really pushing to me that i should play it because he was just like yeah like it's so good now that they patched it uh yeah it's it's super enjoyable i'm I'm glad to see that they turned it around it's like no man's sky or you know there's other examples of that where games have been kind of garbage and then they've been resurrected it's one of those things where like yeah it did have a terrible launch and then they did make it significantly better and i bet you if they did announce that they were like ending like they're like cyberpunk's not getting a sequel people will be like what the hell like it got it was so good like and then the same kind of thing happened with days gone like days gone had a fucking awful launch and it was riddled with bugs but then eventually got better it's not a game that i would play but like i know a lot of people liked it and then when they announced that that game wasn't getting a sequel people lost their shit it's like what it sold nine million copies why wouldn't you make a sequel to it but yeah uh I know, like we were talking about before, uh, the game is $20 on cdkeys.com. We're not sponsored by them, but I would like to give them a shout out. Even though I'm pretty sure I didn't ever get my I was going to say, did they ever give you your refund? Maybe we shouldn't be plugging them. I don't know. I still buy shit from there all the time. CD Keys, we will mention you in the next podcast if you give James his money back. So I'm sure we have a bit of my over at CD Keys. To make sure that they didn't give it to to me and I'm just being an asshole, but I'm going to look it up on, on CDKeys <laughs> right now. Cyberpunk. Yeah. And it's through 
a different game service and I've I've only just recently purchased a couple of games on there for like a dollar and they're Mortal Kombat 2 and Mortal Kombat 3 the arcade Those are versions. important games to own. Yeah. <laughs> Worth um, it. Oh, what? No, that's a that's a bundle. I was like, what? It says it's $34 now, but that, that's uh Cyberpunk and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Which is a great deal for $35 if you're one of the very few people on the planet that still doesn't own The Witcher 3, and you should, because yeah, it was so great. It is, like you said before, it's GOG.com. They have their own launcher, but I've also seen... Um, I feel like I have saw YouTube videos where you could import your games from your GOG library into Steam and then launch it from the Steam That might launcher. be possible. That might be possible. I'm not sure. I do know that they are a pretty popular, uh, you know, online store for PC games, though, for sure. GOG has a, a decent following of its own, so it's not like you're buying it off some weird shady site or something. Yeah, not- I mean, CD keys might be weird and shady, depending <laughs> what we find out during our Allegedly. investigation here. Allegedly. Allegedly. But GOG.com... They're they're legit. They are not laundering money as far as we know. Okay, everybody, I'm going to put a poll in the chat here. Should I buy Cyberpunk 2077 off of GOG.com for $20? Yes or no? Uh, We'll leave that up for uh, the majority of the podcast. Uh, But no, I think it's cool. Like, I really commend them. We've talked about this before. I would say Cyberpunk and then Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm going to give them mad credit for how much value that they've added to those games. So they didn't have the greatest of launches. Like I know Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it was, they pushed really hard to be a launch title for the, for the current gen consoles. And it had some bugs, but like what game doesn't these days, but Mm -hmm. dude, it's like every other month I'm seeing like a new DLC, a new update for that fucking game. So like kudos to, to the, to the devs for those games for just continually adding value to a game more than a year later like that is commendable like i don't know there's no 100%. way you, yeah you you can't deny that and i that's another game like i really enjoyed valhalla and i bought it at launch on the series x it was mm-hmm. like one of the first launch titles i bought and yeah i ran into a couple of bugs here or there and at least one of them made me want to punch myself in the face temporarily but like none of them were bad enough for me to be like uninstall i'm never playing this game yeah, and like, uh, like game breaking bad like it's just yeah. annoying Oh, I'm going to have to reload two save files ago. Kind of bad stuff, you know, but like at the end of the day, they patched the hell out of it. And it's my favorite Assassin's Creed game, like, which is weird because I think there's always going to be a core audience of Assassin's Creed fans that will hate the new games because they have strayed so far from the original formula. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, oh, this is sweet. This is just like The Witcher 3 with less monsters and more killing fucking English people. <laughs> that's fine you know? again you pivot to what is making you the money man like so like yeah, if they like pivoted and then people are like we like this they're buying more copies the only people you can blame is the audience the, the gaming audience uh war one in the chat puts, i agree hang on but valhalla had like five sets of armor but added loads of purchasable armor sets true yeah that's kind of um, bullshit i, I but was like, gonna bring that up as well that like probably the only thing you could criticize assassin's creed valhalla for is yes they've supported it a lot but to some degree that has been as like a live service game and as we all know live service games usually means buy our cosmetics right mm-hmm. so once you start trying to turn your game 
into, you know, sort of the RPG equivalent of Fortnite where people will just keep playing it forever. Uh, you do, you know, open the door to that cosmetic purchasable stuff. But I would just say, like, for me, I've played Valhalla. All I ever did was buy the game. I've never spent any money on purchasable armor sets or any garbage like that. And I've had a whale of a time with that main campaign and that storyline of that game. So I always think, like, when it comes to that sort of stuff, it should only really frustrate you, or to me, it only really frustrates me, when you start adding a lot of purchasable stuff that affects gameplay. Right. Yeah. It was always the same argument I made with Fortnite was I was like, as long as they're just skins and they don't like put in the Epic store that you can buy a gun that makes Fortnite easier or some shit like that, then whatever. Like, who cares if people can dress up like Wolverine or whatever and it makes them happy? Let them spend their twelve dollars to look like Wolverine. Who yeah. Cares? Imagine if there was yeah. like like a weapon that was like a hundred dollars, but it like just fucking nuked everybody. Like yeah. that would be bullshit. Like, cause that would price people out who couldn't afford to spend a hundred dollars on an add on like that. But it's good that they I don't agree. do that. But again, it's, it's really like, it's easy to shit on these kind of practices, but it's really hard when you're in their shoes and like you have a marketing dude come up to you and be like, do you want a Ferrari next month? And it's like, well, I, I'm not really, I don't know if I can fit in a Ferrari, whatever. Do you want a fucking Lambo? Do you want a Range Rover? What do you want? Do you want two Range Rovers next month? Yeah, sure. Why not? Cool. Put purchasable skins in your game and you'll be flossing in cash by the end of the month. And it's just like, it's really hard to turn down that much money when someone offers it to you. And at the end of the day, like I, I view it and, you know, maybe I'm part of the problem, but I view it as just being like industries change. That's just part of the modern mm -hmm. gaming industry. Uh, I do feel that they have still made um, purchasable DLC for Valhalla that was like storyline expansion stuff. So, I mean, to me, that that's another place where I could see, uh, having valid frustrations with this practice is when it starts eating into development of actual games or actual additional content, right? So if your concern like is like, game. you know, and they're spending all their freaking time making purchasable skins, um, I think the best example of this and like one that actually frustrates me is Grand Theft Auto V. Like, yes, there's been a lot of storyline expansion stuff for Grand Theft Auto Online. But like how much time has been spent just developing like clothes and cars and just like, you know, various fake stuff for people to buy in that game when you could have been making Grand Theft Auto 6 the whole time. Totally. Right? So I thought you were going to go another route, but I'll go there. Um, it's kind of like remastering a game that already had a remaster like hey. le less than five years ago. And Man, I wonder what game you could be referencing. That's, <laughs> and uh, that yeah. reminds me of a game that came out recently. When you're when you were literally working on uh, a multiplayer uh, game, and that was supposed to launch at the time of your sequel game, but then you delayed it, and then you were like, you know what? I think out of the goodness of our heart and for the experience of the people. We are right. going to remake this classic game 
for no other reason than monetary gain. And it's have like, you seen um, the condition that the collectible copies of that game are coming in as well? That would be a fucking piss off. Like, so again, it's not only did you like buy a game that is a remaster of a remaster, which clearly does show like as much as we want to make fun of them for doing that, the people that went out there and spent the hundred dollars or whatever it was to buy was this collectible copy. That's clearly because The Last of Us means a lot to them, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. they have a deep fucking emotional connection to this game. And I get that, because I feel that way about Halo or whatever. Like, I know what it's like to feel super passionate and in love with a series of video games and be like, oh, hey, they can cash grab me on that. Yeah. Are they milking me? But yeah, yeah. They can cash grab Sign me, me on that. that cash so grab. then you, you go give them your hundred dollars and you're like cash grab away, mm -hmm. cash grab away. It's my favorite fucking game. I don't care. I'm going to buy the super ultimate collector's edition. And they send it to you in a thin manila envelope with no padding of any kind. And you open it and it's in a cardboard box that is banged to fucking shit. And then Sony was basically like no refunds, like yeah. bang and hammer what the hell like that has to be the worst pr i've ever seen i don't think they were like no refunds it was just that they only made a limited number of those games uh in that series so it was like get your refund but you're like no but i want the thing that i ordered they're like we're out buddy and then you're just like well i don't want this fucking crumpled piece of shit and they're just like take it or leave it and you're just like okay yeah. well fuck you like, can have your crumpled piece of shit yeah. or we can give you some PSN network credit to buy a digital copy and you'll never have a collector's yeah. edition. Fuck you, uh, you cash grabbed piece of fucking loser shit who's stupid enough to buy a game that we barely remastered five years ago. You dumb fuck, your check cleared. Go fuck yourself. And then they're just like, this was a cash grab. They're like, holy shit. It's like, they're like, it's that meme with the freaking spaceman with the gun to the back of the other guy. He's like, it is a cash grab. It always, it always was. was. Yeah. Like, bam. like dude, like, yeah, I like, again, I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Like it, like if you were just a fan and you know it going in that you were like, you were sucking on it and you're like, I want this cash grab. Just please let me have it. And it got sent to you like that. That is a fucking kick to the teeth. That is so savage. I remember like kind of the same scenario happened to me. And it was when I bought, um, uh, a, a vinyl record of the Acacia Strain, uh, Wormwood, which was, it's an album that we used to play all the time and we loved it. Good record. And I just wanted the vinyl version of it because I loved the artwork from it. And it, and it was so rare and it was so hard to find and I paid a pretty penny for it. And it came in like the most haphazard box from Amazon. Like they didn't package it properly because if you've ever seen a vinyl record, people like it's just like a big flat square. Like it's a thin piece of cardboard. That is the cover. They just put that in a huge box with like two little inflatable bubbles. And then, yeah, yeah of course, it's going to thrash around in there when that box is being tossed around to be shipped to me. So, like, of course, it came all the corners were fucking bent and it's like. And they're like, you can have your refund or that's it. There's there's no more. We're sold out. And I was like, well, I still want the thing. So I just kept the crumpled fucking vinyl. And that that sucks. That's that's a bitch. So, you know what this makes me want to bring up, too, is like, what sort of a world do we live in 
where the hundred dollars special what sort of a world <laughs> what sort of a world do we live in where the hundred plus dollar ultimate collector special suck us off cash grab edition is a cardboard box right like we used to package video games in cardboard for super nintendo games and at some point they realized that was a stupid idea because yeah. cardboard boxes are really freaking you know hard to keep in a good condition over any amount of period of time like even sega with the genesis had already figured this out and put their games in clamshell plastic cases but then over time as a society, right, we move towards plastic game cases being the norm. So we'd acknowledged, I think, as a group here, that a plastic case is typically more premium than a cardboard case. Yeah. But when I lined up at the mall to buy the Ultimate Collector's Limited Cash Grab Edition of Halo 2 when it launched, it came in a steel book. All right. Yeah. It came in a freaking steel book. And I'm like, that's the sort of collector's edition you pay a hundred dollars for. Why is the special collector's edition of The Last of Us coming made out of a piece of packaging that is like less premium than what we just sell every game in to begin with now? Because I'd yeah. rather just have a plastic case like a normal video game. And I'm sure that all it is is they put like a normal copy of a, of The Last of Us inside yeah. of that bigger special looking cardboard box. That's 100%. And maybe a couple other little collector diddlies in yeah. there. That's little sign certificate. Absolutely what they did. Of your of your daughter. Uh, I don't know what it what's in there what Last of Us fans would want. I don't know. I don't know like a collection yeah. of spores, molds, and fungus. It's just weird. Why is it not a metal collector's box or yeah. something? Why is it not, like like you said, the metal tin that fucking special editions used to come in? Like, why isn't it, like, something rad like that? Like, yeah, like, you would get, like, Halo editions that would come in, like, a Master Chief helmet or, like, the gun or, like, something fucking rad like that. But, like... We used to live in a proper society. Yeah. And, like, here we, we are. We toys in our <laughs> cereal boxes, okay? <laughs> I think we need kids, to settle. Kids wouldn't believe that. Because you touched on some gold, which uh, we are copywriting and we're making a thing. But we need to... Okay, so what was the, the order of where you phrased it? It was limited cash grab suck-off edition? Or <laughs> <laughs> what was the... Because that's what I caught. I was like, holy shit, that is genius. So is that the LCGSOE edition? The, 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 the super ultra limited... <laughs> <laughs> director's cut suck us off cash grab edition yeah. or something along those lines yeah no it's uh it's it's completely ridiculous to me that like the the collector edition of halo 2 for the original xbox was such more of a premium experience right albeit i had to go to a brick and mortar store to buy it because nobody was ordering that shit through the mail back then but they could have sent it to me through the mail in a manila envelope and it probably would have been fine because it was a goddamn steel book yeah um yeah. Even the Elden Ring Collector's Edition came in a huge box, and it came with a bunch of shit. Yeah, I've but, seen uh, that edition. That edition's actually super cool. But, again, it just, like, if if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there telling yourself, 
looking in the mirror and you're like, it's <laughs> if you're just if you have it on a repeat, you're like, it's not a cash grab. It's not a cash grab. They spent a lot of time on it. They worked really hard on it. Uh, like the developers <laughs> even confirmed that they worked really hard on it. It's not a cash grab. That's not the definition of cash grab. It's like, buddy, you're fucking lying to yourself. You're fucking lying to yourself. You don't deserve that shit. Okay, you don't deserve that shit. Stop lying to yourself. <laughs> Tell yourself the truth. Do what Andrew Tate says and escape the fucking matrix, man, because like you need to see for yourself. You dropped a bill. You dropped a hundred fucking bones, hard earned currency, fucking taking it in the ass or whatever you do for your day to day job to buy a cardboard cutout that they fucking slapped on a PS4 edition of the game. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What, are you doing? what was I, the segment called? What kind of world do we live in? What kind of world do we live in where <laughs> this is what we have to put up with in the gaming industry, folks? It's, and you know what? This is so one of those situations where people are like, Fuck, they made another one of these cookie cutter Marvel movies. And it's like, we'll stop going to see them then. Yeah. Right. Like, that's why the entire movie industry only makes one kind of movie now, Charlie, because that's the only one that you give your money to. Right. <laughs> yeah. And as long as we keep being like, oh, Grand Theft Auto 5 again. <laughs> They're going to keep doing it, guys. This is why we have 17 different versions of Skyrim, right? Like you could fill a bathtub with your copies of Skyrim and just bathe in cash grab yeah. all day. <laughs> you could just bathe in LCG SOE like as much as you want. I'm going to keep repeating that limited cash grab suck off edition Skyrim GTA 5 bundle. Six thousand yeah. dollars, please. Um, exactly. Let's get in this next topic. <laughs> I think we've run Brody, out. Brody's, Brody's here. Brody, welcome aboard. Way to be in the chat. It's good to see you. I remember getting the super fucking cool collector's edition, like Fallout Three, coming with a bobblehead. That's right. And then there's companies like Ubisoft that'll send sell you a four hundred dollar deluxe version that just fists you. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm laughing because it's true. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's true. It is true. The Halo One came with a DVD on the making of Halo Two. It was a it was a steel book that opened like this, and it had the game on one side and a cool making of DVD on the other side. And the DVD had like the entire soundtrack as audio files in case you just wanted to sit at home and listen to the Halo Two soundtrack like a massive nerd, which of course I probably did at some point. And that was sick. Yeah. And even even that, even just including a making of DVD, you would never see that. I want shit them all days. to do that. I love the making of DVDs, even especially oh, yeah. like when musicians do it. Fuck yeah, I, I I love it. Even if it's just your fucking iPhone in the office, I don't give a shit. Show me how that shit was made. I love that shit. I agree. It's half the reason I buy Blu-rays and shit like that. Like it's that's always been part of the attraction for physical copies of movies, right? Is that they would typically come with that stuff. Because each time we talk about this shit, I'm constantly like, I think I want to start buying Blu-rays, buddy. <laughs> I just yeah. like, I just like it. My like, I like, I put it in my Amazon cart, and I'm just like, you don't need it. 
don't do it. But I'm like, I'm getting this fucking close, dude. Well, here's the thing, too, is like you already have Blu-ray players because you have consoles. So yeah. that's that was the nice thing for me is I was like, oh, like both of the Xboxes I own are 4K Blu-ray players. I could buy 4K discs if I wanted to. But I think Blu-rays are actually just they're the sweet spot of media right now because yeah. they become really affordable and people still buy more DVDs than Blu-rays, which blows my goddamn mind. But Blu-rays have become very affordable now because they are mass media enough, whereas like 4K is still more of a niche. So it'll be like 70 bucks for the Dark Knight trilogy on 4K. And I'm like, eh, but then it'll be like $22 for the whole freaking thing on Blu-ray. And I'll be like, yeah, you can cash grab me on that. Yeah. with like th three or four discs of special features and making of and stuff for like a series that I absolutely love. And you bet your ass I've watched every freaking minute of all that making of Batman shit. Totally. I, lo I love yeah. it. Like anything like I'll, I'll listen. Cause when you like something, you want to know every little piece behind it. And like, it's almost impossible for them to bore you about details of the game. Like they could talk about yeah. like the most mundane, like the lighting or like this, like the dumbest thing ever. And you're like, fuck yeah. You're like, I'll listen to this for an hour. Um, hundred percent. They're like, here's 25 minutes on just like which comic books influenced this particular version of the Batman suit that we went with. And I'm like, feed me. Let's yeah, go. Feed me. Uh, let's get into this next topic here. Finally, uh, sorry for derailing everybody, but we're gonna do it. We're not. We're not even sorry. Whatever. We're not even let's sorry. Let's stop pretending. You know. Yeah. Fuck you. You, you shouldn't lie to yourself. We don't want to lie to you either. That was our LCGSOE version of the update required podcast. Uh, okay, let's talk about this next subject here. Returnal PC port seemingly spotted in developers GDC presentation. Uh oh. Uh, you gotta wonder, like, if some of those leaks are just, like, accidental or not, because, like, you know you're giving a presentation at this thing that's gonna be available online, and people that's are gonna nitpick, and then it's just, like, you, you throw in shit like that, people are gonna be like, ah! Like that's hundred percent right, hundred percent. Like that was like the I remember uh, a while back. Like Kojima posted some photo, and he had like a PS5 dev kit just like sitting on a desk behind him. And then people are like, "Oh, he's working on a game for PS5." And I'm like, Kojima knew what he was fucking doing. He's not like not trying to drop hints with that. Come on, he's Kojima. Like he's a genius. You think he was just like, "Oh, right." The PS5 dev kit. I'm supposed to keep that under wraps. Like, I don't buy it. So, yeah, lots of things like this. Like, I think this was definitely an intentional leak on their part. But for the record, like, Jay's reaction to this information was just, like, sick. Because, once again, they kind of just keep releasing all of the PS5 exclusive that, that I actually care about, either on PS4 or PC or both. So, I don't know. It's it's. I'm really happy about it. I can see how... Some people could look at it, though, and then be like, well, that's not going to help you sell PS5s. But I do think that they just also have to admit, like, with all of the things going on, all the factors that have made it hard for them to get PS5s into people's hands. And as well, just the fact that, like we've discussed before, there's so many different places in the world where, like, people just don't buy consoles, but they do buy PCs and things like that because they can justify the purchase more. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's smart on Sony's part. Is keep like keep milking it. You know, you found another green pasture. People bought your Spider-Man game. Clearly, people bought your Final Fantasy VII PC release. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like well, as much as I want to say that, like because I love this game, 
This game was not fucking selling PS5s, people. This game sold half a mil, which to Sony standards is not great. Like, I'm sure it's a huge success for Housemark because prior to this, they were just making like uh, like arcade style, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, bullet hell games. Um, yes, twin stick shooters and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so half a mil copy sold is probably huge for them. But for like Sony standards, like that's not, those aren't big numbers. So I think Fair. getting this game over to PC is a win because I just, I just want more people to enjoy this game because it's fucking sweet. It's so dope. Um, so I think, I'm sorry if, uh, Maybe I can do a little bit better here. This is the screenshot here. So this is one of the things that they pulled up. And you see it's kind of got like that Steam window on the side with like the readout of like the frames and shit. That's what people are basing this this off of. Yeah. And yeah, like I know a lot of people, for me, the reason why I hate whenever Sony ports a game over to PC the reason why I hate that is because then people go, see, Bloodborne's next. I'm like, no, it's not. Just give it up. Bloodborne's not coming to PC. Sony doesn't give a shit about Bloodborne. Sony gives a shit about its first-party games that it just wants to sell more units of and make fucking bank, bro. I almost bought a copy of Bloodborne at, like, Best Buy, like, two days ago because it was, like, $20. And I was like, that's eh, pretty good and then i was like i don't remember if i own it or not like i feel like they gave it to me on ps plus at some point and then i was like i don't like this game enough to pay 20 dollars if i do already have a digital copy at home but if i don't then that's a good price bro so if I think you I'm don't gonna, i'll fucking buy the game for you i'm gonna <laughs> look i'm gonna look in my library i'll find out i feel like i remember them giving it to us at some point but you know We'll, I, we'll figure if, that out. If there's any Souls game that you would connect with, I would say Bloodborne because it's like it's like cosmic horror. It's more of like uh, Jack the Ripper kind of vibes, which I think you might dig. But um, but yeah, as far Lovecraftian, as Lovecraftian, if you will, yeah, yeah. oh god, the, yeah, uh, I'm into that. I'm into that HP Lovecraft. But uh, yeah, I won't be I won't be upset if you don't like it because I just know it's not your your vibe. But uh, this next one. For blood porn remake confirmed. <laughs> you heard it here first, everybody. Are yeah. you eating a lot? That's right. Exclusive leaks on the update required podcast. You heard it here first. Wara, who has been confirmed by sources that I can't confirm to have the inside no, is letting you know, guys, Bloodborne remake. I gotta tell you, like confirmed. it is the bane of my existence because like I have these few videos that's like Bloodborne's not coming to PC or like there's never going to be a sequel. And all of like if people don't realize I'm making it out of love because I love that game so hard. But I just know through logic and past experiences and the evidence that we have in front of us, I've come to the logical conclusion that Sony doesn't give a shit about that game and they're just done with it. And then there's nothing happening with it. Nobody's working on it. There's no one confirmed to be working on it. But there's all there's just these fanboys that just like, keep bringing up bullshit rumors every couple of months that are just like, it's just one guy being like, I heard someone's working on it. And then they're like, it's the Silent Hill of your life, basically. Exactly. Because it's been like a fucking decade of just like, oh, this is happening. This That's happening with Silent Hill. And... I God damn it. I want it to be true every time. And then yeah. it's always not. And I feel like right now is like in the last month or two, it's the most of it I've seen where it's like, and, and you know, then there's that part of me that's like, well, maybe, 
maybe there is yeah, something going I on then. And remakes I'm like, happening for Silent Hill too. And I'm just you know, like, and I'm, like, and I'm like, God damn it, Jay. Like if you get your hopes up about this again. <laughs> and that's where I'm coming from is I don't want people to have their hearts broken. And that's why I have to have that like tough love and be like, look, it's not happening. Here's all the reasons why. And then people just comment. They're just like, cause they see all the down thumbs down that I get. And they're just like, look at all the thumbs down. This, this video aged well. And then I'm just like, okay, tell me how much Bloodborne is on Steam right now. Send me to the link of Bloodborne on Steam right now and I'll fucking buy it right now. And then you get no comment and you're just like, yeah, exactly, bitch. And it's just like, the thumbs down don't mean nothing, okay? Yeah, you can have an opinion that's not popular and still be right, which Correct. is hard for people Every to process sometimes. That Bloodborne yeah. is not on PC, I'm right, bitch. <laughs> but let's get into this next one. Okay, if any of you have a gaming PC or an Xbox of any kind, I fucking 100 percent recommend you download this game because it's on game pass this month and that is metal helsinger leads first wave of game pass titles for september metal helsinger sure it's not the prettiest game it's got a bit of jank to it but it's fucking hilarious how brutal and awesome it is because it's doom but you have to like fire your weapon on the beat of the metal music that's playing in the background. It's, it's guitar hero meets doom yeah. essentially for all intents and purposes. And I, I, as someone that really likes uh, the original 2016 doom and really likes guitar hero and rhythm games, I'm just completely over the moon excited for this game. Yeah. Uh, I'm really stoked that it's going to be a day one game pass title. And like, to me, I think this is like the number one thing coming to game pass soon that I'm just, absolutely amped up about totally like is it gonna be game of the year no like are you like is it gonna be like this truly amazing story no it's a game that you play for the lols bro while you're playing your main game you get a little frustrated you're like i need a fucking break i need something to laugh at fucking play this if you have a game pass subscription like it, like I could totally look past a lot of the jank that a lot of these indie developers have in their games because you know they're just starting out. But it's a cool concept. It's it's hilariously executed. Hopefully they've refined it since the demo, and I'm sure they have. But it's it's a good time. It's just a good time, and I definitely what up, Swordmaster? Sword Welcome Ma- to the stream, Swordmaster. Uh, the chat. What's up? Yeah, I would say I compare it to like similar experiences to me would be like the recent like Quake remaster, where when I played that game, I was like, God, this is so refreshing in that same way that it's like levels in original Quake are so short by today's standards, mm-hmm. and the mission mechanics are literally just like go forward, shoot the obvious bad guys, get to the obvious goal. Like it's just it seems very archaic but because of that that felt like a real breath of fresh air as something that i could just like pick up and play for 20 minutes and be like i'm killing demons and then it was done and i didn't have to like i don't know it feels like every goddamn game in the world wants to take you on an emotional journey these days right like first person shooters everything has to be super narrative um i like it when it's done well i have no problem with games telling stories but it does feel like all games kind of try to tell stories now um and so yeah i i think there's that's why there's that nostalgia for retro gaming like that's why i think people still like these old school 16-bit games and stuff is because you pick it up you play it for 20 minutes you're like hi i killed some aliens and then you move on to the next thing like hi race some mario karts 
and you just move on. And yeah. I don't know. Those games were easy to get into. And like for the people that wanted their really long stories, like Final Fantasy was there. Like there were still games during those eras that did tell giant narrative stories. But the majority of games were much more kind of pick up and play experiences. And so I like stuff like Metal Hell Singer for that reason, that it calls back to that kind of simpler era of gaming when you would just fire something up for the sake of shooting some demons for 30 minutes. Exactly. Like, and that's like, okay, to me, and I always bring it back to this, but that's exactly why I like from software games is because it's it's a callback to that time where it's just like you're the good guy those are the bad guys make less bad guys and then that's the game and it's like all right cool and surface level that's what all of the souls games are you're the good guy there's a bad guy kill all the bad guys but if you want there's deep lore and story in the game that you can search for and look through and then you can have that story but it's not forced on you whereas i find a lot of these games like you said like in reality like you can bake it down to there's a good guy there's a bad guy get the bad guy but they always try to make like this huge emotional roller coaster or they try to throw in some big twist or some big reveal and it's like you don't need that that didn't add anything to the gameplay experience sure like you got your rocks off in the storytelling experience and maybe you took like third year fucking english in university and you're like i want to flex that a little bit but i don't know for me again i play games to play games i'm not here for a cinematic experience but i do understand that there is this huge section of gamers i'm the outlier they're the norm that like those two worlds merging together and for me like i'm just like dude i got so many movies i could recommend to you that i think like do a way better job of that and then like you play these games but i get it like it's just it's nice to have that kind of choice like i feel like if you're looking for that kind of experience you know where to go for it but there needs to be more games like- and th- that i would agree with because like yeah. i do really <laughs> enjoy narrative storytelling in video games but i'm sitting here arguing for the value of those those kind of more you know pick up and play experiences as well and i just don't i don't want to see one get tossed to the wayside because of the other and yeah. i do think that there's just been an overarching trend in the game industry for the past bunch of years that's like just this push towards narrative games and of course course you don't see that for more out of anybody but sony like sony definitely has defined that that's their bread and butter that's what they create right like i'd say if anything uh xbox has had some more titles over the years that were more known for just being pick up and play in the sense that like yes halo and gears of war had like storylines and campaigns but like what they really are remembered for for most people was like online deathmatch and whatnot which is a very pick up and play experience right uh fours is very pick up and play you just kind of pick it up you race it's cars, good that you right? bring that up this is kind of a side topic though but i've personally felt like as someone who's a sony fan i'm not a sony pony i don't suck the dick that hard i don't like i'm not one of those people like there's people that argue every exclusive on that console is a 10 out of 10 and i'm just like no there's some fucking dog shit that is exclusive to sony and i'm gonna be the first one to tell you that but what I found is what I, in my perception, when I see like what is offered on the PlayStation is that Sony's kind of gotten itself in this corner where, like you said, people are starting to get a little bit fatigued of these super long epics and these super long emotional roller coasters. And they're just looking for the pickup and play. And Sony kind of like ditched those. Like they haven't done a new kill zone game in however long. And that was like their main shooter game. And now they're left with like, they've, banked all this into these narrative stories like these really third person 
um, story type games. And it's like, they don't have that quick pick up and play really easy. Doesn't have to be super complicated game. And I think they've kind of realized that. And hopefully they're investing into like a shooter or like their own, whatever, especially now that um, Microsoft owns Activision. And then, but they've, this isn't one of the news topics, but they've <laughs> they've made that like we will still sell Call of Duty on PlayStation in the future. And yes. it's just like yeah. yeah, but how long do they have to honor that? Like they could probably tear that up whenever they want. Yeah, nothing's forever, and who knows? But like that was my original prediction. I didn't expect them to just like pull Call of Duty from PlayStation no. immediately. I never thought. I think that's stupid. At yeah. the end of the day, like it's better to just sell more copies of your video just game, like you money. have been. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same reason we're seeing Sony sell games on PC, right? Like it's just it's another revenue stream and you're kind of dumb to just be like, no, I don't want to sell games to those people, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next topic here I thought was interesting and I wanted to get your take on it. Uh, random beta footage from canceled Kirby N64 racer glides onto the Internet. And I always find these things really cool. Because, like, we're seeing shit that we used to start rumors about in, like, elementary school or, like, junior high and shit. I was never really big into Kirby. So what what are your thoughts on there have been potentially been a Kirby racing game? So, you know, what's really messed up is I watched, like, an hour-long Scott the Waz video today on the history of the Nintendo GameCube. And it talked about this game. And then you sent me this article and I was like, get the hell out of town. Life is weird. <laughs> get out of my head. <laughs> um, because this game did come out. It just came out on the GameCube. And that was so that what we're seeing here is like an in-development build of that game for N64. But that was something he was talking about was that like in the last year or so of the N64's lifespan, like they'd already figured out that it was not doing well versus the PlayStation and everything and that they were getting crushed. Yeah. And then the Dreamcast was already in the market and freaking Sega was actually at the time doing well with the Dreamcast. And then the PS2 was on its way and Sony was showing it off. And then Microsoft was flexing their brand new dick. And they were being like, hey, we're going to come in here with our own console. And so freaking Nintendo very quickly was like, never mind the N64. It's not selling. We got to start thinking about what the hell we're going to do about the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox and all this new shit. So they threw out, you know, uh, images of the GameCube and started talking about it. We're like, hey, we're going to have this thing. It's going to be called the GameCube. Never mind the N64. We're talking about the GameCube now. And they basically took like every game that was in development at that time for the N64 that was like a first party game. And they were just like, fuck the N64. You're developing that for the GameCube now. Yeah. So that's why this version of the game never got released. Now, the other thing I find very interesting about this, though, <clears throat> is that the game that did get released with these assets basically was just like a shitty Mario Kart clone with one button. Yeah. So, you know, Kirby as a series always gets criticized for being too easy and for kids. And they're definitely playing into that here with the one button version of Mario Kart. But because of that, in the game that came out on the GameCube, they're sitting on their little cloud platform rider things. I don't know, fucking Kirby cloud carts. Uh, but in the images and the footage that we were seeing here on screen, they're kind of riding them like hoverboards, like they're standing on them and like just bombing down this hill. So it's weird because it looks like the N64 version 
was basically going to be a Kirby version of like SSX. Like this was going to be 1080 <laughs> Kirby. And you were just yeah. going to be busting sick Kirby half pipe moves. And I, I actually think that totally sounds like that. a way better There's game. fucking half pipes in the fucking level. Dude, it's definitely freaking King Day Day there. Totally just busted off of a freaking half pipe. Like I want to play this game. And then instead, we got stuck with a shitty Mario Kart clone that they built with some of these assets, right? So it looks like it was going to be an entirely downhill racer, and they turned it into just a normal kart circuit racer. And, like, frankly, there's just so many games that do it better. Like, when you've got Mario Kart, you've got Diddy Kong Racing on the N64, which was phenomenal. You've got Crash Team Racing on the PlayStation, which was great. And all of those games are already out. And then you come out with a one-button Kirby edition. Like, fuck off. Get out like, of here. I don't know. Nintendo, here. we want our LCG SOE version of fucking Kirby's 1080 snowboarding that's the limited cash grab suck off edition for all of you just joining us <laughs> new new term we coined it um also i didn't watch this video earlier when i sent this link to you but what the fuck is like this footage like halfway through it's like these like photoshop drawings of shit it's like what is going on in this video well there was i think there was other assets and stuff that they were showing off at the uh, time right like that was another thing that like i found interesting is like nintendo has this long-standing tradition of like when they debut a new console they'll show off a bunch of assets and they'll flat out lie that they're not games that are actually in development but they always are yeah and they'll be like these assets in no way represent games that are going to come out on this console at all. They're just ideas. They're just things that we're just spitballing. They're and then like just concepts. Just yeah. <laughs> and six months later, they're like, oh, that uh, footage that we showed you of Luigi with a backpack in a mansion. Yeah, we have this new game now called Luigi's Mansion. Unrelated, totally unrelated. Uh, came to me in a dream. It's super <laughs> weird. I, I don't. I don't get what the benefit of that is. Like, I guess it's they want to, like, reserve the right to just not release those games. Like, they're scared that if they, you, they tell you that they're games now, people might get excited about them. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Right? But it's just weird to me that that's, like, every time that they develop some new hardware, they show off games that they're developing, but they're like, not really, though. We're not really developing these games. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's funny. Uh, I, like... That was a weird time for Nintendo because they like they they experimented with the disk drive for the fucking N64 that was only launched Japan. And like, I bet you from what I've seen of like the like the interviews from the past, like it was probably like a bitch and a half to to dev for uh, or to code for. And then they were like, fuck it, dude, scrap it. We need a whole new system that runs on disks. Nintendo loves developing dumb shit like and for a while they're in that yeah, era too like boy. well and okay so first off like everybody's going DVD it's like PS2 it's gonna have a DVD player in it Xbox it's gonna have a DVD player in it and everybody's pressuring Nintendo being like you still used cartridges with the N64 and it was bullshit and cartridges are super small and they're also expensive to manufacture so you need to go to discs Discs are cheap and they can hold way more shit. And we're even moving past CDs now. We're going to DVDs. We're talking tons of space. And Nintendo develops a, the stupid little proprietary mini coaster disc for the fucking GameCube that can fit like 1.5 gigs of information instead of like 8 gigs. 
right? And they're just like, yeah, this will be great. And then, like, what happens? Like, third-party support for the GameCube is better maybe than the N64, but obviously tons of, like, you can't put San Andreas on the GameCube because it would take, like, seven of those stupid little discs, right? So people that own the GameCube miss out on tons of games, or they get, like, weird versions of those games that were programmed only for the GameCube. They're, they're like, we'll make a shittier Madden for you so you can still <laughs> yeah. play We'll give you the peasant Madden. Madden. Right, you on your child's console. You won't um, get the suck-off cash grab version, but you'll get the peasant version. And, like, it was totally, like, they're like, why did you do that? They're like, oh, it was just better technology in the mini-DVD. And it's like, fuck you. It was for copyright. It was because you know CDRs and DVDRs existed. It's because of that. And the crazy thing about it, which I didn't even realize till some of the research I was doing today, the GameCube is more powerful than the PlayStation 2 is. Like, it was actually a bit of a a little powerhouse of a console. It technically rivaled the original Xbox power-wise. But because of the proprietary discs and the fact that they had no storage space to put these games on there, right? It just totally undersold what you could do with that hardware, basically. So that's just such a weird Nintendo move. To be like, we will make the most powerful gaming console on the fucking market. And then we will just absolutely kneecap it by giving it a weird proprietary disc format that you can't fit games onto. It's just it's such weird Nintendo business, right? Yeah, or like, like, like I just looked it up. So a GameCube mini DVD can hold one point four six gigs of storage. And your standard DVD, which were common for the time, like I know a few PlayStation Two games launched on CD, like they like not because there was like the blue discs, which you knew were mm-hmm. the CDs, and then the uh, the non blue discs, which were the DVDs. So a DVD can hold four point seven gigs. So yeah, like you're crippling yourself, and it's just it, like it's funny because I think the only reason that people put up with this with the Switch is because it's it's also a portable console right but we do have the same thing going on this generation where switch games come on this weird little proprietary chip format and once again you can't fit as much information on like i'd be interested to find that out like what how much data can you fit on one of those switch game cartridges little chips uh right because obviously like from memory like there's eight gig ones and there's 16 gig ones and obviously, like for most people that own a Switch, you probably just buy a big SD card and buy a lot of the games digitally, right? Like mm-hmm. that's certainly what most of us do. But it it's interesting that for physical copies, at least, they've once again tied themselves to a weird proprietary format that is undoubtedly harder to pirate, right? Yeah. Um, but that also like, you know, kneecaps the games to a certain extent because you you know, obviously like but the hardware with the Switch is is you know, kneecapped compared to the modern generation of consoles anyways, right? Like, it's sort of like a slightly beefed up Xbox 360 that you can take places with you. Um, but it's it's interesting, like, nobody really complains about that in the modern era because the benefit of that is that you can take it places, right? That, but you didn't have I, that benefit with the GameCube. Like, you could take it places, it had a handle, but yeah, you oh could yeah. Yeah, you know, be playing that on the bus or anything, though, unless you're bringing a monitor and an AC cable it's- it's funny because I feel like Solar for our panels. generation, so like the age you and I are, like I feel like yeah. I was getting to that age where the GameCube seemed a bit kiddy to me, and I was mm. all about my PS2 at the time, 
And like the only games, like even to this day, that I see worth playing on the GameCube are the Metroid Prime games. It's only the first and second one because the third one was on the Wii. Um, and then maybe like Zelda, the two Zelda games that came out on GameCube. But I didn't, I didn't think that uh, Luigi's Mansion or Mario Sunshine were like looked amazing. Luigi's um, Mansion is a great playthrough. It's a short game. Uh, I would say that's that's actually works in its benefit that like it's a longer game it wouldn't have been great but it's something that's like six hours to play through i think it has a lot of character and a lot of like heart to it i, I would play luigi's mansion uh mario strikers phenomenal gamecube game i owned every console in that generation right like i own the dreamcast i own the ps2 i bought the original xbox and got rid of my playstation 2 and then for a while uh, I eventually got rid of the original Xbox and I bought a GameCube finally. So the GameCube was the last one I owned of that generation. I just kind of like would go through these phases yeah, as a you kid just kind where of like I'd be cycle like, through all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, I played all the major shit on this now. Like, I'm going to check out the other side of the fence. And I would just kind of sell it to a buddy and go buy the next one or whatever. And the GameCube really dropped in price uh, nearer to the end of that generation. It was like $100 US even. It started out cheaper anyway. It was like $200 US that it launched at. And then they halved it. And they were like $99.99. And at the time, I was like only gaming on PC. Because when I originally sold my Xbox, I was like, oh, I'll just play on PC. Half-Life 2 is out. I'm having the time of my life with that. But then I was like, oh, for $100, sure, I'll buy a freaking GameCube and play some exclusives. And Resident Evil 4 was at least very temporarily exclusive to the GameCube. So I, I also bought it around that time that Res 4 was launching. And, like, Resident Evil 4 is still one of the best video games I've ever played in my goddamn life. So it also had uh, the the remaster, of a remake, really, of Resident Evil 1, which was fantastic. I heard that one and then, yeah. Yeah, and then Resident that. Evil 0, which was not quite as well received as the remake, but was still generally liked. And then it got some ports of other res games. Like it's funny, like Resident Evil two and three released on the GameCube, but they're literally just like they're just the PlayStation one versions, basically. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing special about them. They just kind of ported them right over. Which oh yeah, because they couldn't play they couldn't play on N sixty four. But the point yeah. that I wanted to make earlier was um, they did though. Resident Evil two released on N sixty four, and that oh, still weird. is a complete technical fucking marvel to me. Like That's I still crazy. don't understand how they made it work. And it's like even the video scenes are there. They're blurry and shitty, but you they're there. Like it's, all the it's, shit. <laughs> right? Like it's they look like just like early QuickTime files, but it's just crazy that they pulled it off at all, right? You're just like, "What how? How how do you fit?" That game was two CDs on PS1. <laughs> yeah. They put like, it on one N64 cartridge. That's not like, that development team needs a fucking medal. That's not <laughs> like whatever they did, like they 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 took those PNGs and they made them like fucking shitty JPEGs. I don't know what the hell magic they did, but yeah, kudos that, to them. Pentagrams and like <laughs> yeah. dead bunnies in the, the back rooms. Yeah. Of that they did some deal under. with the devil. I want yeah. everybody who's listening right now who's watching live, uh, if you can, in the chat, pay an F for respect to Swordmaster's bad internet. Uh, mad respect, oh. the dude's dealing with some shit internet. Uh, no, we mean that out of respect. You you, you press F for respect. A, a respectful F. I yeah, a respectful do. F. Yeah. Not like a fail. We're saying F for respect. You're not failing. No, yeah. that sucks. Your we know that like failing. some places like you like that's all you have. Like there's no option for good internet, and that that's brutal. Um, 
Oh no, Brody's monitor broke. That's a bummer. Uh, Major bummer. When like anything hardware related, but the point I wanted to bring up is Nintendo really nailed it on the head what their strengths are. And then they were like, look, we're going to use this like essentially tablet processor and just like do what we do best. And it's still going to look amazing. And you're not going to, you're not going to like notice. And it's true. Like a lot of their games still come out 60 FPS uh, when docked. Sure. uh, When you're handheld, like a lot of the games are capped at 30, but even the fucking steam deck, like a lot of the games are capped at 30 when you're playing it handheld. And you don't notice like you just notice how fun the games are and when they're the style of like the marios the zeldas like the kirby's the donkey kongs whatever that art style translate really well to that hardware like you don't need huge ray tracing fidelity to pull those games off and like i still look at mario kart 8 and i'm like damn this game looks fucking awesome for like what dude, Mario is. Kart 8 runs at 60 FPS even in handheld mode, which is wild. And like, albeit at like 720p and like downscale to some some degree. Um, but yeah, there are Switch games that legitimately run at 60 FPS even in handheld mode. They're they're you know not super common, but there's some of them. And I love that Nintendo put in the extra effort with Mario Kart specifically to do that because racing games is one of the few places where I would be like, yeah, you are going to notice that 30 to 60 FPS and something really fast like Mario Kart. Like a kid isn't. But if you're like, you know, one of us, you're probably going to notice. Um, but yeah, like if you're playing The Witcher 3 on the bus, you're not really analyzing frame rate, like especially uh, like we take this for granted now because the switch has been around and selling units for like fucking six or seven years or some shit now. But when it uh, five years, I think, realistically, but when it came out like that was just a technical goddamn marvel. It was like, what do you mean I can take the Witcher three with me places? And that still blows my mind as someone that hasn't owned the console that long. Like whenever I am playing it in handheld mode, I'm just like, man, we sure have come a long way from like my sister's green and black Game Boy that I used to borrow from her bedroom. Right. Like. We remember when shit was like eight double A batteries to power like this console. <laughs> yeah. You're like, you get like 30 minutes of playtime out of it. Like the screen's not even backlit. All those fucking add ons to like shine a shitty light that just reflects off of the glass. And you're like, great. Sweet, Neat. sweet accessory, Ma. Um, Super sweet. Now it weighs 20 pounds. I remember when I had my PSP because I had the the PSP and the PSP Go. Yeah. But I just remember even when I had the original PSP and Liberty City Stories first came out and I had it at like a coffee shop or somebody and just like I I took it for granted because I'd owned it since launch. And my buddy was just like, bro, is that Grand Theft Auto? Like, are you are you fucking playing Grand Theft Auto on a handheld? Like, it just <laughs> yeah. it shattered his fucking mind, right? Um, there was a time when even the Game Boy Advance blew my mind because it was literally just a souped-up Super Nintendo. So it was your home console from, like, one generation ago. Just now you could take it places. And it got a lot of, like, direct Super Nintendo ports because of that. And even that was, like, earth-shattering. For its time i keep looking so, at used game boy sps and like wanting to pull the trigger but then like i'm like those still kind of look shitty to like nowadays when i can just like i'll, I'll send a you a link to uh 
My buddy uh, bought a knockoff Game Boy SP clone recently for really cheap, and it's like better than buying a real one because most of the real ones you have to look really hard for the ones that have a backlight, or you have to buy one and do a mod to it to add a backlight or buy one that somebody already modded. But there's literally people making clone ones now, and they just like play the original cartridge like it's it's the actual mold of the SP and they're just freaking remaking SPs basically, but they have backlights and they're cheaper than getting the real thing. So it's like, if I'd you're going to get a game board, that. right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, you know what? I have a switch and I almost want to buy one of those anyways now, just because I'm like, yeah, you could, you can cash grab me on yeah, that. 100%. Uh, let's get into this next topic here. Uh, so this is the ongoing saga that J retro has been following. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new uh, Tyco Egret 2 Mini. It's a new game pack that they're selling you for a not-so-reasonable price. Uh, I'll put the video on in the background with no volume, and I'll just let you narrate over top of it. But fill us in on what's going on, J-Retro. All right. So the Tyco Egret 2 Mini, um, you know, one of the more recent uh, entries into the world of mini consoles, mini arcade cabinets. You can see it pictured there beside the Neo Geo Mini and the original Astro City Mini, both of which I do own. Now, I don't own the Egret 2 Mini for a few reasons, although I thought it was really cool originally. Like you can see there how you can rotate the screen into a Tate mode, as it's known for vertical shooters. And I was like, rotatable screen, this is sick. You say so Tate originally, mode? Tate, T-A-T-E. <laughs> uh, but yeah, call it what you want, but it's it's called Tate mode. But, you know, for vertical shooters and shit, I was like, that's super sick. I'm excited for this. Uh, you can see here there is a add-on that was already available that was like for Arkanoid and stuff, because it's got the, the twisty ball controller there. Um, so... What I didn't like about the Taito when it launched, even though watching this footage right now, I'm like, God, I kind of do want one, is it was pretty pretty overpriced compared to a lot of the other mini consoles to begin with. And then it was pretty much impossible to find one where you would buy just the console. Like, they, they were selling all these stupid bundles where you were forced into buying, like, the Arkanoid paddle and, like, other crap that I didn't need. Um... And so generally, it was just the worst launch for any of these minis that I've seen. And it's like the most niche out of any of those minis. Because like the Taito Egret 2, like the Astro City Mini, was a Japanese candy cab, right? Like these were the common arcade cabinets in Japan. So it's not even like I have personal nostalgia for this shit. I didn't grow up playing on these cabinets, right? So you sell a Genesis Mini or a Super Nintendo Mini, and we're like, oh my god, I need that. That's my childhood. They sell the Taito Egret 2 Mini, and I'm like, uh, you know, like the games list would have to be pretty good to sway me. And the games list looked all right. But then it was just super expensive, and the launch was just completely ridiculous with all these forced bundles. So now... They've released, for one, they've released a firmware update for it, which is free, which apparently fixes, uh, fixes a few bugs with just some of the ROMs and some crap like that. So, like, that's cool. Free firmware update. Neat concept. But they're also launching a set of extra ROMs, right, for this thing uh, that they're selling you. So a, a pack of 10 games which are, I assume are just going to come on an SD card that they're going to sell you loaded with 10 extra ROMs on it that you'll pop into this thing and load onto the console. And they want $60 US 
for these 10 ROMs. Right? Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. The original Genesis Mini cost about $60 US and it had 40 games on it out of the box. And you were getting the hardware. You were getting two controllers. You were getting an HDMI cable. You were getting all for the same price as they want to charge you to get 10 extra games just to add to this thing that was already the most overpriced out of any of these mini consoles that have been launched, right? So they basically, to me, are just being like, hey, uh, we acknowledge that our product is a super niche thing and that only a very specific group of very sweaty fanboys bought this product. Um, and what we want to do is we want to take those followers who were loyal to us, who helped support our model here, and we're like, you know what? It's overpriced. But I have nostalgia for these ar arcade games. I have nostalgia for Japanese candy cabs. Or I just love collecting these mini consoles so goddamn much that I'm going to buy it, even though it's the most overpriced one ever. And they took that group of people and they were like, how we want to pay our respects to you is to just hawk slap you as hard as we can right in the teeth like it's just completely obnoxious that any company would just be like yeah uh it's four times the price of every other mini console on the market don't worry though we're gonna release add-on packs with new games and any reasonable human being would be like oh cool those will cost like 15 dollars then right like you know because these are old ass arcade roms we're talking about from like the 80s and early 90s what are these going to be like two dollars a game and they're like no bruh 60 dollars us 10 games we know Get your fucked. sweaty cash grabbing <laughs> ass is gonna love this shit and don't worry, we're going to send you that fucking SD card in a cardboard cutout that's going to get crumpled in shipping. <laughs> yeah, or I feel like I do, and I feel like Taito proved it, because I am the biggest shill for these goddamn mini consoles. Like, I own seven of them. I have the Genesis Mini 2 on pre-order, so I'm soon to own eight of them. I still want to buy the Astro City Mini V, the second Astro City they released. There's a very good chance I will, at which point I will own nine of them. But, like, even I couldn't bear to pay the prices, the eye-gouging, ridiculous prices. And I also just hated that they were just like, no, you have to get, like, six additional accessories that you don't want to get because we're only going to sell it in these stupid fucking bundles and you can't just buy the console itself. And now I'm like so happy that I didn't support them because of shit like this. Yeah. Like I, and I, every now and then I'll flirt with the Taito Egret too many because of course there is a completionist part of me that is like, fuck, it kind of bugs me. It's the only one I don't have. Right. I can't help it. Like, I'm a shill for this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I like, I want, I'm supposed to have them all. I was yeah. the guy that had them all. But then I, I've also allowed myself to be like, you know what? I don't own the Atari flashback for that fucking reason. Cause I don't give a shit about Atari. Uh, and I don't own the Commodore 64 mini because like I never owned a Commodore 64. I have no nostalgia for that shit. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. I, I can let it go. 
And it's true. I'm I'm the Sega guy. So, of course, I want to buy the Astro City Mini V. Of course, I want to buy the Mega Drive 2 Mini or the Genesis 2 Mini. Those ones are easier to sell to me simply based on the fact that Sega's name is on the box. There's no denying that they're my favorite game company, even though they're a bunch of idiots lately. Go check out my new video. Um but yeah, it just it this blows my mind. I thought that the idea of selling additional game packs for mini consoles was actually really cool. Me and James were talking about that a little bit before we fired up the stream. Because originally I had thought that myself, where I was like, wouldn't it be neat if they had given like the Nintendo Classic or Super Nintendo Classic or whatever, like Wi-Fi capability or something? So that down the road they could have been like, hey, we're gonna sell you an additional like 15 games for $15 and you don't have to hack it. And like, you can just buy them from the Nintendo eShop or something. I actually think that would have been a possibly clever thing to do with these mini consoles. Uh, but no, not for 60 goddamn dollars for 10 games. And it's not even yeah. like these are blockbuster titles. It's no. not like they're like, Oh, for $60, you're going to get like donkey Kong and like all these super memorable arcade games. It was, literally like just like a few more vertical shooters which do look like decent vertical shooters but on a console that already has a bunch of decent vertical shooters yeah. right they'll give you, we'll give you some more shmups and then we'll give you like three other games you've never heard of uh 60 bucks yeah dumb wild dumb wild i've like it's just brutal like how how much advantage that these companies take of their core audience. And it's just like, it's like, these are the people that have like showed you that they're willing to buy your thing. And you're like, they're the one you're fucking over. Like you're not fucking over the, the average gamer. Cause a lot of us yeah. are saying, we're not buying that, but it's the, it's, it's your core fan base. Say doing this left, right and center right now with their launch, right? That it's just like they're making it so hard for people to get their hands on that product. And it's like the only people buying the second Genesis Mini are clearly super big Sega fanboys, right? Like 90% of people would be like, that's ridiculous. There's already a Genesis Mini, right? But there's a class of us that, yes, will buy another Genesis Mini. And they're just like, let's make it really hard for people to get it. And let's make them pay all of the importing costs and costs of shipping themselves instead of just making it available around the world like we should. So, yeah, yeah. these companies aren't your friends. We've always said it. Uh, they're here to make money. And even when it's a, a small niche audience they're they're here to bleed you dry, folks. Yeah, they're here to take every penny they can to their grave. Would you say they're making it rock hard? Uh, no. No, because that would be more satisfactory for at least a certain class of consumers. I would say that they are making it just just hard enough. Uh, also in the chat, congrats to Swordmaster for 100%ing your Virgil playthrough on Devil May Cry 3. Are you playing that on your Xbox One? Or are you playing that on... You must be. Cause PS2? No, because that game's not on... Because I know he has a Switch. They know he just recently got his I Xbox wanna, One back. Which, which, I'm just trying to remember, like, I guess, yeah, Devil May Cry 3 is one of the more recent ones. I guess it took them a really long time to make 3. Yeah. I don't know, but whatever method you're playing, the the reason why I ask is you just, the way that you say 100% it, I find Sony people say platinum, because that's, you platinum the games, uh, but on Xbox, it's just you 100% it. That is correct. But anyway, I love it when people, like, I don't, I, oh, 
My is on Switch. Yeah, there you go. Um, I was going to say Switch is also it would be referred to as hundred percent platinuming is an exclusively Sony term. Yeah, I just appreciate it when anybody hundred percent any game. Like I'm not telling people like hundred percent every game, but if you really Bruce love Lee. a game, I feel like that's like the biggest honor you could show to it to show that you're willing to invest the time to get some of those bullshit trophies that are just like repetitive shit that you don't want to do. But I just but think the only game I'm doing that with lately is Mario Kart. Like I really want to actually a hundred percent everything in Mario Kart. God, I always God. try to get the fucking three stars and all of that. God speak like, to you, man. Like, I'm like, I can't just get the gold medal. I need to get the gold medal with the three stars. And it drives me insane. If I don't have the three stars on every GP, but like 90% of games. No, I won't. I won't fucking do it. I don't care. I play too many different video games. <laughs> and like, I always say I grew up at a time when there was no such thing really as hundred percenting video games. Like you just, you beat games, you beat a game and then the credits rolled and you were like, yeah, I fucking, I beat the game now to the point where kids actually made up challenges. They were like, Oh, I beat Contra with one life. Like they would just come up with new things to make the game harder for themselves because there was no fucking ultra hard platinum super achievement Easter eggs. Like, I don't know. You just beat the game. It well, still like, just seems kind of weird and unnecessary to me. <laughs> we can see Jay Retro is a big fan, obviously, but like me personally, like I won't, I won't platinum or 100% every game. But the games I really love, like I'm just like, yeah, I want to do every single thing just to show that like I got the platinum in that game. Um, but speaking of companies are not your friends and how people are just out to make a buck. We are going to go into a lot of your favorite segment, which is how dare you, IGN? How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I fucking love that picture. Dude. Like we're even that offended this week, though. Like, I feel like we just we really wanted this segment to stick. So, yeah. so yeah, we were both just like, I don't feel that passionately about this, but like, we got to get it in there. Oh, you um, throw it in there. How dare you, IGN? So, this was my whole take on this. So, uh, IGN released their basic review for the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power premiere review. First two episodes. Here's the summary at the top. There's some good in this premiere, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for but i would like to remind everybody this is the same place that also said the following about the resident evil series that i think we can all say is fucking garbage that's on netflix resident evil's first season on netflix offers a new original and compelling story that leaves plenty of room for a second season how dare you ign i feel like this is the how dare you here because what they're saying about lord of the rings uh, I, I don't know. I don't think we can quantify yet, right? Like Resident Evil, we can look back at now and be like, yeah, that was a stupid thing of them to say. It got canceled after one season because it sucked. And so just like they look like obvious idiots there. Whereas with Lord of the Rings, I find the interesting thing that like IGN's not alone here. Uh, most reviewers seem to think this show is pretty cool. Most reviewers are like, man, the budget's great. Uh, the scale of it's great. Bindu, me too, for the record. Like, massive Tolkien fan. I saw each of the JR, like the um, Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy movies, like seven goddamn times each in theaters. What I love is every I week, own the Bindu, hardcover. Bindu won't, I, like, let it pass the, 
about the Cimmerillion, because that one yep. time that you like kind of shaded it a little, like every week he's been like, hey, yeah, hey, put down my leather brown copy of it. And, and I think Bindu should realize, and and if they are a big Tolkien fan, they should know this, like we're in an exclusive class just because we've read the Silmarillion once, okay? Like 90% <laughs> of Tolkien fans, there are people that tell me they're huge Tolkien fans, they don't even know that goddamn book exists, right? Like that is... That really is like level 11 of being a Tolkien nerd. Like that's the equivalent of Scientology when they let you into the room with the fucking secret briefcase that they handcuff to you and then they open it and they're like, bro, aliens, right? Like that is the level <laughs> that we're at when you're reading the Silmarillion, right? And apparently like Bindu should appreciate this. Most of the people that are really talking shit about this series, because it seems to be like the critics really like it. It's got like a 76% approval on Metacritic from like critic reviews, but from fans, it's getting like 38% or lower. Most fans are saying it's garbage. And the reviews that I've read, like even a buddy of mine on Facebook, who is a massive Tolkien nerd, who is the sort of person who has read the Silmarillion like us and knows the lore. He was like, dude, they're taking stuff that's supposed to happen like hundreds of years apart, mashing it into one episode. Like there's just no respect for Tolkien's timeline. They're just doing whatever the fuck they want with these characters. And so I'm very interested to watch it like, the Hobbit movies already got some shit for, you know, straying away from Tolkien's original script quite a bit. But I would say even the Hobbit movies, like, kept it relatively close to the script. It's funny. I think one of the main things that this movie is going to do, or this, sorry, this TV show, what it's going to do is it's going to do the same thing that the Disney movies did for the prequels. How, like, people look back on Star Wars now and they're like, nah, the prequels weren't that bad. Now that we've had some other Star Wars sequels that, like, they think that got fucked up even worse. And I think the same thing's going to happen here because I've been arguing the whole time that I was like, the Hobbit movies aren't that bad. Like, are they as good as the original or the Rings trilogy movies? No, not at all. Is it kind of dumb that they took one book that is this thick and turned it into three movies when the Lord of the Rings is like three books that when added together are this thick and they only gave it three movies? Yeah, that's completely ridiculous. It makes absolutely no sense. But with that being said, Hobbit movies were all right. I just rewatched all three of them like a month ago and I was just like, yeah, these are these are enjoyable romps. They're definitely not as good as the originals, but like I like them. Um and so, I don't know, I'm very interested to see who I side with on this. I admit it, I have not watched either watched episode it. yet. You know what I'm watching tonight when we're done is I'm watching the final episode of Stranger Things 4 still. That's how fucking far behind I am. I haven't even right? watched the fourth, fourth season of that. <laughs> it's spoiled for me already because of memes and shit, but yeah. I am going to finally watch that final episode tonight. But like, I watched episode eight yesterday. It was pretty good. Yeah, for it me. It's for the record easily the best season since the first season of Stranger Things. Like easily, maybe I'll watch it, but I doubt it. But um, that's totally fair for the rings of power. Again, like I'm just I'm making a stance and whenever a show like this gets released, like another Halo situation where they just like disrespect the source material material so hard. And it's clearly that they just wanted to tell their own story, but they needed a venue to do that. And they're using this as a vehicle for their own story. I'm just not going to support the show. So like, I'm just not going to watch it. If I do watch it, I will find a digital download and I won't watch it through the service that I already pay for. Cause I'm just not going <laughs> to give them the, 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 
the satisfaction of the views. No, because that, that's really how funny. they rate their success is by each person's views. And if I don't contribute to that, then then I'm doing the thing here. And um, the animated movies were great for the record. And I'm glad that that, that got brought up in the chat because I was thinking of that, too, that I think the animated series was something where when I was a kid, people were like, dude, there's an animated version in it sucks like everybody just shit all over it uh and i watched it as a kid and i enjoyed it i think the biggest problem with that series is a it doesn't end because they never freaking did the third oh, book. oh the, the 70s uh, one right yeah and b you can, you can literally witness them losing their budget as the movie goes on like you can see the animation get shittier in like mm -hmm. the last 30 minutes of that movie they start using like a very much smaller color palette there's less detail in the backgrounds and then the final chapters of the story are not told. So you can literally just like watch that movie sink into the fucking ocean as it's going. But with that being said, that's super sad because like the first hour and a bit of that movie are so goddamn beautiful. And you're like, man, if he'd been able to do the whole trilogy, like the way he originally envisioned it, <laughs> it would have been fucking incredible. If but like, someone could have you know, just got this guy some budget managing course. Literally. Like, <laughs> like that's always a bummer too. And like a really good story is at the fault of its budget. Or, like, just doesn't get the support that it needs. And you got to admit, before the Peter Jackson trilogy, like, to convince any sort of movie studio to bankroll a fucking nerd book that, like, was three huge. And then, like, if you, like, I remember friends being into the books back in the day and then like, me as a casual fucking looking at the books and, like, just seeing, like, how it was written. I was like, whoa, like, what the fuck? Um, so, like, to the the casual like it's a bit too much so yeah i didn't say that the only reason i was able to become such a big lord of the rings fan was because like i freaking went to bible camp and shit like that so i already had to read really, really dry books yeah honestly like i think that helped because it's <laughs> like it's written old timey it's written almost yeah. like it is like written back from Bible times or something, right? Especially when you're a kid, like it's it's old timey language. Well, um, if you're used to fucking yeah. R.L. Stein Goosebumps books, and then you yes, go from it's a big leap, and yeah. you go from that to the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah, you're gonna be like, I think I'm a little bit past my depth here, like, uh, but I don't know, like I just we've talked about this for a few weeks in a row, like it's just. You have the IP. You have access to amazing stories that are already made for you. Like, you just have to put from paper to film. And why are you just putting in your own interpretation, like your well, own things that you're injecting in it to possibly make it more what modern? What gets me about this one is that, like, the complaints I'm hearing, too, the Silmarillion, as we've discussed before, like... It is written in a way where you would have to include some of your own interpretation because it's written like a fact sheet about stuff that happened yeah. in history. So it's like this battle happened and these dwarves died and then these elves showed up and then they had sex with these elves and then this happened and then there was this battle that involved this guy. And so, yeah, you would. Ha it's basically like Tolkien's freaking notes. Yeah. And you would have to take that and stretch it out and tell your own story to some degree. But from what I hear, they're not even sticking true to that outline. 
right? Like they're taking those plot points and switching when they happened and mixing them up and doing weird shit. And I'm like, you already had so much room to kind of make the show your own because you are basing it on a period that Tolkien never really flushed out in the way that he did with the period that the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit happen in. So you were going to have to do more flushing out, but that didn't mean that you had to just like mix it the fuck up. Totally. You know, and I think Warwana touches on a good on a good point in the chat too, and we've brought this up as well. Uh, he put the show is based off of the Lord of the Rings and its appendices. And another mm-hmm. hurdle that's probably gonna like I don't know, cause a lot of issues is I think they only have the rights to the appendices of the Cimmerillion and none of the other movies. So none of none of the Lord mm. of the Rings or none of the Hobbits. So that's why they can't say certain things or reference certain characters. So that's got to throw you through a fucking loop as well. Because you're like... Oh, 100%. How do you... Like, that's so weird. Like, imagine if Disney was like, yeah, we bought the prequels, but we didn't buy the original trilogy. Yeah. Uh, make some stories that happen in... The, but don't fucking reference Luke Skywalker or, like, Darth Vader or any of that shit. We can't touch that. Uh, you can talk about Anakin. Don't talk about the uh, the shit later, though. Or like, how do you do that? How yeah. do you tell a story that That's... participates in a world and not have the rights to that world? Like well, that, or you're like, oh, we have to tell this story about the Skywalker family, but we can't say Skywalker. And it's right? like, like, and then it's like, just make your own thing. Make the Mandalorian because that was great. But it's also remember, guys, you can't say hobbits. They're Harfoots. Yeah, they're this, Harfoots in this show. And, like, That's there's... one of the best like clear examples of that. Right? That yeah. I was like an essential term to that world and they're like no we can't we can't call them hobbits we'll get sued they're like well Does- what the fuck are we supposed to do carl and he's like i don't know harfoots make it up he's like yeah uh sometimes tolkien called them harfoots i know that it's used infinitely less and that like 90 percent of casual fans will not know the term at all but that's what we're gonna have to fucking roll with because our checkbook wasn't big enough to buy the word hobbit right <laughs> yeah. and here we are so, yeah, he's like, I don't know. I don't I'm, know, Carl. I pay you to do the writing. I do the pointing to the whiteboard. Figure it out. <laughs> I have like a list right now of shows that I started and didn't finish that I'm not allowed to watch this show until I finish those other shows anyways right now, which includes the Obi-Wan Kenobi series that I only watched the first three episodes of the shitty Halo series, which I will finish just so I can completely tear it to shit and make a video on how fucking terrible it was. And I also need to finish the Wheel of Time series, which I was only two or three episodes into. And I actually thought was pretty good. And I feel like it's weird to go start Amazon's new giant epic fantasy series when I never finished their other giant epic fantasy series. But I liked the Wheel of Time and what they've done with it so far. Dusted under the rug because like they were like pushing it super hard. And then they announced that they were going to do the Rings of Power. And then they're just like, well, just like put this under here so which is funny because when i read the wheel of time which what by the way i read the wheel of time uh the first novel while i was on my first trip to the czech republic at 13 years old and while i was there i went to a bookstore and i bought a book in english in the czech republic and i read it while i was there as well and that book was called the silmarillion and man had a lot more fun reading the first book of oh, Wheel of shit, Time. Bindu, I was is like, your Holy copy shit. of the Cimmerillion from fucking Europe? 
<laughs> the point is, is that uh, the Wheel of Time essentially was like a new Lord of the Rings, right? It was a giant epic fantasy series. It already had three or four books in the series when I bought the first one. And I was in a bookstore and I'm buying my copy of the Silmarillion. And this this other person was there and they spoke English and they worked in the store and they're like, do you need help finding anything? And I was like, yeah, I just want more Tolkien stuff. But this is like the last Tolkien thing that exists that I don't already own. And I need more. And they handed me the first book of the Wheel of Time. Nice. We're like, read this shit. And like, yeah, it blew my little 13 year old mind. I was like, this is totally like Lord of the Rings. And to be fair, the only real problem that I could say about the first book of the Wheel of Time is that it's sort of like The Force Awakens, where it plays it really close to the script when mm. it comes to fan service. And you're like, okay, you clearly wrote this for people that read Fellowship of the Ring. Like, it practically follows all of the plot points of Fellowship of the Ring and then just, like, changes the names of shit. But it sure does a good job of it. <laughs> That's, like, literally how I felt yeah. about Elden Ring. I was like, this is so fucking Lord of the Rings. It makes me yeah. laugh, but I'm like, I still love it. I still fucking love it. I gotta say, um, I love watching because I have the extended trilogy on. I purchased it off iTunes, so I've got like the 4K versions of it. I love just putting that on while I game. Like I just like have that on, and it's just like when yeah. I'm doing when I'm just grinding like for upgrade materials or something. I just throw that shit on, and it's just like one of my biggest uh, hobbies with my friends in high school was that we would smoke a bunch of weed and play magic cards and just throw those Lord of the Rings movies on in the background. And we had the extended ones too. So we had the, like the infinite hours of making of bullshit. Yeah. So if we weren't watching Lord of the Rings, we were just watching like 17 hours of Peter Jackson and crew talking about making Lord of the Rings while we're also being like, okay, I tap three mana and I yeah. cast this shit. And it was great. Cause it was, it thematically went together, right? We're like, yeah, epic fantasy show epic fantasy battle on the kitchen table let's go let's go those are good times man for those of you listening or watching who are not located in the magical land of canada uh marijuana or sticky icky is perfectly legal here so. yeah that's right it, it might not have been uh when i was underage hey, in high school irrelevant that's right that's right it's cool to talk about now because that's how the law works and the rest teenage day yeah uh, yeah good times good uh, times though good we always get derailed by that's why i like to include like movie stuff for like something tv yeah. or movie related because like we're just we're we're nerds here and then well, there's it's funny i think you touched on as well there that like when you were like yeah like that's awesome that that book like you know played it close to the lord of the rings script and you just like enjoy it for what it is and i think that Oftentimes, we as nerds uh, tend to look at things in a negative light when it comes to that stuff, because you can criticize shows for that. Be like, well, this is just Lord of the Rings again. And it's like, OK, but you really liked Lord of the Rings. So maybe your reaction should be, hey, this is just more Lord of the Rings. Awesome. It's a right? really so, fine line that you got to flirt with. Like, yep. it's like, it's crazy. Cause like it's, it, all it takes is just a little bit too much. And you're like, this is just a fucking rip off. And then, but if they just flirt with it just enough, you're, it, you have that exact mindset. You're like, this is more of what I like. Yes. Thank you very much. Cause uh, otherwise you go, you end up as ready player one 
which yeah. like Ready Player One was a great concept for a film, but the problem is that there was so much fan service for so many different things that you're referencing from Back to the Future to The Shining to whatever that the whole movie kind of just comes off like a guy in a boardroom being like, hey, remember The Shining? Yeah. yeah. What if we'll we just name drop there. this? Yeah, do yeah. it. Remember Jurassic Park? People love dinosaurs. Yeah. Back to the Future? King Kong? It's I don't know if anybody there. saw the, new, uh, the newest Space Jam, but that movie came off like that hard with Warner Brothers properties because they like travel to all these different worlds instead of just like the Looney Tunes world. And then it's like each world is like a Warner Brothers universe. And it, it just came off like they were just like, how do we just put every single IP that we own the rights to into this fucking Space Jam movie? They were that probably was, like, I don't think enough kids these days know what Looney Tunes are. So we got to like d- dive into some other shit. That and probably just that they were like, hey, we own the rights to all of these aging IPs and we're not sure if people are super nostalgic about all of them enough. Make sure they're all back into the public, like, you know, the public consciousness. And then we can start relaunching some of these IPs again in five years because these kids will know who the hell these characters are now. What's that word? Let's make sure they're in the zeitgeist. Yeah. You don't you don't get a chance to drop that word every now and then. Ooh, good word <laughs> usage. Uh, let's get into our last segment of the evening, and this is a fan favorite, and that is ask us anything or what would you rather. So make sure that you're following us on Instagram. So for those of you listening, it's Instagram.com forward slash update required official. Follow us there. And before the show starts, we usually just post to our stories. Uh, to, this week, we didn't want to just make it limited to uh, what would you rather. So we just put ask us anything. Um, this is always G-rated. I followed it up with please keep it respectful. <laughs> like, Don't ask us to measure our taints or anything like that. <laughs> um, all right. So ask us anything. Uh, Instagram edition. First question. Uh, this is clearly for J Retro. Uh, why is Witcher 3 your favorite game? Ooh, um, that's a really good question. Okay. Um, can I just say that I don't know if it's your favorite game, but I know you really love The Witcher 3. And for me, that is quite shocking because of the games that you normally play, the games that you usually enjoy quite a bit. And The Witcher 3 is more like a game that I would play. And that's why I just find it so fascinating that you love this game so much. So I'm really interested in hearing this answer as well. Interesting. Um, I I had a lot of passion for the Elder Scrolls games back in the day. Like I played Morrowind, Oblivion and Skyrim all very heavily. Um, and I mean, I played, you know, all the Final Fantasies and stuff. So I have always been an RPG guy for sure. And big Lord of the Rings guy, big epic fantasy guy in general. Right. Um, there's always these games that I think of that part of why I love them, it will be like my first experience with them. And like, I remember the first time I saw Halo at a friend's house and like, Mm. was like him and his buddy were playing at co-op. And I was like, what the fuck? Like you can play this game co-op. So the PS4 had been out for a while. The Xbox one had been out for a while and I just didn't give a shit. And I was just like gaming on PC and I was playing games that were like two or three years old. I was playing like Left 4 Dead 2 and shit. I just I didn't care. I was just like, I'm happy on PC playing old Steam games. And one day I went for beers with a buddy and we ended up at another buddy of mine's house and he had a PS4. And when we showed up to hang out, he was playing The Witcher 3. 
And so we sat down because he was like, oh, I have to finish this like I'm in this boss fight or whatever. And I already had a few beers in me at this point. And we sat down on his couch and I was just like, bro, what the fuck are you playing? Like, this is the prettiest game I've seen in years. And he was like, oh, it's The Witcher 3. And I was like, the combat looks incredible. Like, the combat looks so goddamn fluid. And he's like, yeah, you press like two buttons over and over again. You feel like a complete sword master. It's super cool. And I was just like, okay, I I need this. I want this. So... I bought the PS4 for like two reasons was like one, the trailer for the FF seven remake had come out recently and Mm -hmm. I'd already been like, okay, I think I'm going to buy a PS4. And then it was only like a week later that I went to buddy's house and saw the Witcher three. And then I was like, okay, I am buying a PS4. So that game really sold me. Um, I've never cared about a storyline as much as I did with The Witcher 3 in a video game, I don't think. Like, I'd say since Final Fantasy 7, like the first time I played Final Fantasy 7 as a kid and like was really sad when Aerith died and all that, that was the level of investment I had with the characters in The Witcher 3. Like, I was like actually sad when people died and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's also probably the game that had as far as I can tell, did the best job of having morally ambiguous choices that I had to continuously make throughout the game where I would left be like left wondering like days later, I'd be like, fuck, what if I had done this instead? Or like, what if I had said yes to that request instead of no, because the world does play out in this myriad of different ways. And, like, people had tried to do that well in RPGs for so long, like Fable. But then it just became, like, you're the good shining hero and everybody cheers when you walk in the town or you're the evil guy and your eyes are glowing red and (laughs) flies buzz around your head. Like, it was all so goddamn extreme. No And in The Witcher 3, right? The Witcher 3, it was just, like, more, it was always these, like, more morally ambiguous choices where I'd be like, oh, shit, I just accidentally helped a coven of witches and like i totally didn't mean to i just like did some things in the narrative tree and now they're gonna kill this innocent girl and it's my fault and then Geralt would just sort of be like that happens sometimes like the world (laughs) of the witcher 3 is so fucking grim i think that's another thing that i loved about it is i love spooky shit And so I loved that the Witcher was like the medieval version of the Ghostbusters. Like he's like who you call to fight a fucking werewolf or Mm. whatever. And I loved that aspect of it. Um, So I think you're right. Like when you say that I might gravitate towards Bloodborne because of the world and the fact that it's very like gothic and dark, because that was something I was blown away by the Witcher as well, was that every epic large RPG I've ever played Uh, well most of them the world is very idyllic like oblivion was this beautiful colorful world full of meadows and fucking butterflies and then you go play the witcher and like especially when you get into velen and there's just like dead corpses hanging from all the trees and people's heads on pikes and shit and i was like oh this is not normal high fantasy this is like post-apocalyptic high fantasy basically uh i love that it's yeah I, I love the darkness of it. So I a few think different reasons. Really cool. Like just hearing like your passion for the game. And it just goes to show you that like if you really connect with a story or a set of characters, you're willing to learn a whole new 
game system like you're you're willing to learn like all new mechanics and stray away from what you're used to because you connect with the story and with the characters and i think that's really cool and like you mentioned before you did play a lot of these games that were in the same genre um and i think that like the witcher 3 was a new game for everybody because it was really innovative for when it came out and i remember when it came out too Mm -hmm. and just like the leap in graphic fidelity that game took compared to anything else at the time like it just made every other game look like fucking dog shit Um, it was for open worlds it was a big step right in the same way that like when people look back at san andreas and like the size of that map and everything too that was another thing i was like i just couldn't believe the size of the world and like how realized it all felt like how the villages and everything just all felt alive and whatnot. Right. And now I can look back at it and see more like cracks in that foundation. Like when you spend too long at Westworld and you start to figure out who the androids are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, at the time it was definitely like a complete technical Marvel as well, which definitely helped its case, but totally. Um, all right, let's get some of these I, I want to replay that game now. Like that's that that, <laughs> that question. I almost want to dabble into it, but I'm just like, like I got I too much shit. Go install it right now. And I'm still sitting here, and I'm amazed I didn't bring this up earlier during the Cyberpunk conversation. But where the hell is my next gen patch for The Witcher Three? Yeah, if the Cyberpunk DLC is coming out in early 2023, then fucking The Witcher that shit's not coming out till 2024. Now they're killing me. Yeah. Uh, this next question here, what? Who wrote this? Would you rather eat your own boogers for a week or someone else's for a day? I would eat my own boogers for a week. I'm not eating. Hundred percent. I'm not eating. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's like smelling poo. You always prefer your own brand. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, this one's probably directed at me. Would you rather replay God of War or be unable to skip YouTube ads for the next twelve months? Uh, I'd replay God of War because I gotta tell you. When YouTube Premium first came out, I was like, I am never mm-hmm. fucking paying for this. I'm like, that fuck you, YouTube. I'm not paying you shit. And I don't know. Jay Retro was the first one to get it that I knew of. Uh, and then told me like how great it was. And then the ads just got so egregious. Like it was just like it was like an ad every five minutes or like it was like double forced ads that you could not skip. Like it was just way too much. And then finally I was like, fuck it. I can't stand this anymore. I got the trot or like the free month of YouTube premium. Haven't looked back ever since. And it's like, I like, 100%. and it kills me because and Warwana in the chat makes fun of me all the time. Cause when we do little segments where we watch a YouTube video, we're signed into our update required official YouTube yes, account. We have ads on this account. Yeah. People, and yes. I don't pay for premium on that. Like, but yeah, like it kills me. Cause I'm just like, even just in tonight's segment where Jay Retro was talking about, um, uh, the, what's it called? The Taika, whatever too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that the Taito Egret Mini too. Taito yeah. Egret me that name, oh, brutal. Uh, or Egret Two Mini. Fuck, it's even I get it wrong. Yeah, we were. I was playing the video in the background while he's talking about that, and then a fucking ad for I think uh, Black Panther came up, and I was just like, for, for Raid Shadow Legends, and so you know, like you literally forget they exist because you just take it for granted, right? Like I've exactly. had premium for months now. And like, it also includes YouTube music, which like at one point I was paying for YouTube music separately anyways. So then I really was like, okay, it's like two extra dollars to get premium music or something back then. It was originally. And then they migrated everybody from Google play music over to YouTube music. That's a rant for a different day because 
Google Play Music, as much as it was a stupid goddamn name, did have a better layout. And, uh, you know, I like that YouTube Music is dark mode, but their layout is not nearly as intelligent as the Google Play Music layout was. But that's a different point. When <laughs> and it comes to YouTube Premium, shit. <laughs> I watch more YouTube than anything else on the planet. Same. Like I watch, you know, hit like documentaries on the history of video games. I watched that one hour long Scott the Waz video on the GameCube today. Do you know how many goddamn ads I would have had to sit through in a one hour long video about the GameCube? Like I can't do it anymore. And it's crazy, especially with like, yeah, just the the amount of various content that is on YouTube that to me, like I actually watch a lot of long form content. I will watch like I watched an hour and a half long documentary today on YouTube about Polybius, which is like a mythical arcade game that probably didn't exist. Um, I just find shit like that super entertaining. And so I think it. Yeah. When you originally pitch it, you're like, yeah, pay money for YouTube. Of course, people's original reaction was like snort, chortle, guffaw. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a free app. That's the whole point. (laughs) Yeah. But like now that I do, I'm like, oh, I was already doing that where I spent more time on YouTube than Netflix or Amazon or anything else. And so it's like, yeah, why do I want to sit through ads on the platform that I actually spend most of my day every day watching shit on? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. okay. Uh, I never played but, God of War anyways, but I just wanted to touch on that. But yeah. I will play God of War and I'll let you know how I feel. I'm interested, yeah, to hear how you like that game. I'm just I've been upfront and I've always said like I'm not a fan of the action game genre and it's just it's, Yeah, it's not your and it's, it's ex- not your cup of tea, man. Well, That's I, all right. Briefly, but we gotta move on to these other because we've got more questions. But <laughs> I will right. say my initial Twitter reaction that I got a huge amount of shit dumped on me for is 100% accurate. I am almost finished the game now. Nothing has changed about my opinion. And that's not just me being ignorant, maybe a little bit, but like, I swear, like I'm not just be like, Nope, I'm sticking to my guns here. I've gone through and I've in every YouTube episode I've made of it. I've pointed out every single time a thing happens that I said was going to happen. And I was like, <sighs> anyway, moving on. Um, Oh, this one's for you, uh, Jay. It's Jay. Okay. If you could go back in time and control Sega, would you Ooh. make them do something differently? Yes. What specifically uh, would you change or make them do differently? I would have made them put a DVD drive in the Sega Dreamcast. I think that that, that, could that only one thing. Yep. I think that one thing is why they got crushed in that console generation. Like, yes, it was a little less powerful than the PS2, which came out only a year or less after it. But the main reason the PS2 destroyed the Dreamcast was because it had a DVD drive. When the Dreamcast first came out, it was everywhere. The Rock owned a Dreamcast and he was showing it off on a special on television and shit. Like, it was the cutting edge of technology at the time. Everyone was like, holy shit, this Dreamcast is so much more powerful than the place. This is incredible. It's the future of video games. And within a year, nobody gave a shit because it didn't have a DVD player. And like the PS2 was so much easier to sell to your parents because you were just like, mom and dad, it's a DVD player. You buy me this console and we'll also be able to watch movies. And your parents were like, well, I don't give a fuck about video games, but I like watching movies. 
So sure, little and Johnny. Sony didn't even own. Let's get you a PS2. Yeah, the Sony didn't even own the DVD format, so that's something nope. that they could have done. You know what? I they just, were forward thinking, and the Xbox as well was DVD capable. You had to buy the DVD remote to unlock its ability to play DVDs, which was a total cash grab, dick move on Microsoft's part, which Sony didn't do. However, that's still better than not being able to play DVDs at all. Yeah. And so the Dreamcast got left out to lunch there, where like the only two consoles that couldn't play DVDs were the Dreamcast and the GameCube that I literally spent half an hour making fun of on this podcast for not using DVDs tonight. So it's like, yeah, the ones that didn't play DVDs just instantly looked like archaic technology now because the two big boys both did, right? Like PlayStation and Xbox both did that. Um, In the same way that, like, the Dreamcast played music CDs and so did the PS1, right? But that was, like, that was older technology now. Everybody had multiple CD players in their house. It wasn't a cool trick for it to play CDs anymore. You know what? But the DVD was the cutting edge. And I honestly think I would have done that. And I would have waited longer to release the Dreamcast. Like, I think they wanted to be quick to market to like beat other people with the hype. I think they would have been smarter to just wait till the PlayStation 2 got released first and design their product in response to it and make it more powerful than a PS2, et cetera, right? Um, It's crazy how many bad hardware launches Sega had. And I mean, I could probably make an entire podcast out of the various things I would tell Sega to do differently. Um, I wouldn't have ever launched the 32X. That was fucking stupid. Um, I would have supported the Sega CD with actual games and not a bunch of full motion video choose your own adventure bullshit games. Um, So, yeah, I would have done a lot of things differently. I never would have released the Sega Nomad because that was stupid because it got like 25 minutes of battery life and it just wasn't time to have a portable home console yet. Sega made all sorts of decisions that were really, really, really dumb. Um, But I really do think that the Dreamcast just not having a DVD player in it is the single biggest missed opportunity that they ever had. And that if they had had a DVD player and possibly waited a little bit longer to launch it and just thought it out better, we might still be talking about them in the console hardware battle today because that did end up being their swan song. It was their fatal flaw, their their final mistake, if you will. It's funny. Um, We do got to move on, but I just want to say, like in my head, in my mind, the way that I remember it, I felt like the Dreamcast came out and then like three months later, the PS2 came out. But the Dreamcast came out in November of 1998. So just on the cusp of 1999. And the PS2 didn't come out until March of 2000. So like it it was like well over a year ahead of that competition. Um, but in my mind, it just it felt like it was a little too close to the PS2's launch. Well, that was but... the Japanese launch, I believe, right? Because I think it came out later in the U.S., didn't it? The Dreamcast. I could be wrong, though. But I want to see North America. <clears throat> I do remember it being a little bit bigger of a gap. You're right. Yeah, there we go. Because it released on nine nine ninety nine. That was a whole thing with their ads. God damn, the, that's like yeah. Why so much longer? Like November of 1998. That's like a full fucking year. 
it was in Japan for that. And th- th- this is constant Sega. Like they did that shit with the Saturn too. Here, the Saturn like folded within a year, and it was actually a really successful fucking console in Japan. Like it had a few years. It had a way bigger game library, and that was another one that I would tell them to do differently. I would just be like, "You pulled the plug way too early on the Saturn." Like they yeah. were just like, eh, "The PlayStation's selling better. Pull the plug like immediately." And I would have been like, "No, the PlayStation's selling better. Come out with better games. You know, like put some more shit on your platform. Make people want to buy it." But it's crazy. Like the things that could have been like, just like Warwana says in the chat, imagine. And a lot of these were just like mm-hmm. really rash decisions made uh, in honor of the quick buck. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, oh, this is a question directed at me directly for Natron. You get to sit down with Hidetaka Miyazaki for lunch. That's the director of the Dark Souls games. Uh, what five questions one. do you ask him? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, what five questions do I ask? I would probably ask. Um, damn, that's a really good question. That would be hard because I really, I really want to meet him, and I just like. Okay, so I would ask uh, first off, what was the original plan for the cut content in Demon Souls for the sixth Archstone? So why was that cut? Why like at like when did you decide that like you just weren't be able to make that in time or what was the reason you decided to cut it um how did you really feel about dark souls 2 because he did not direct that because he was directing bloodborne at the time and then two other directors were making dark souls 2 and that's renowned as like the worst of all the souls games and um i would ask a third question which would be a follow-up to the second question would be what would you have done for Dark Souls 2 if you were directing it? Like, what what direction did you want to take it? Um, my fourth question would be, uh, why did you decide to make a VR game? Like, that? because they made Deracine for PSVR, random-ass game out of nowhere. And I want to know, like, the whys. Was it because you had, like, a contractual obligation with Sony and you just wanted to fulfill that, like, here's your other game? Or was it that you wanted to learn more about VR? Or I think it was developed in Unreal Engine 4 instead of their in-house engine. Was it just you wanted to, like, get your chops in Unreal and see how that how that goes? Uh, and then my fifth question would be, um, can I suck you off? I don't know. <laughs> like, like, that dude is... Uh, uh, where do I find the ultimate limited collector's suck yeah. you off cash grab edition? Where, yeah, where is my cash grab suck off uh, uh, stupid fuckface buys $100 cardboard cover uh, box edition? Uh, those, are, those would be my question. Uh, both. What games do you enjoy playing together? Fun fact, we haven't really played any games together. In a uh, while. A long time, I'd yeah. say. Um, there was a time when we lived together and we probably played some shit together, like just like Call of Duty Zombies and shit. That, and like Grand. Mario Kart, obviously, they like, used to play that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it's just... We wanted to play Back for Blood, but then that just didn't end up happening. But again, it kind of just ended up being a little bit of a semi flop that game. Like I enjoyed it, but it's just crazy how I went into it being like, Oh my God, left for dead three, basically like I'm so fucking jacked. And I played it for a couple months and I was like, yeah, that was fun. And I just kind of moved on with my life. Yeah. I think it kind of like hit that nostalgia itch for a few minutes. And then you're just like, all right, 
I'm ready to move on. Yeah, it's crazy. Like sometimes I think people people think they want things more than they really want them. I think that was what happened when we got a new Left 4 Dead. Essentially, people were like, yeah, this formula worked really good when it first came out. And yeah. uh, this is essentially just that again, but it's not super. You know what I'm really interested in playing with J Retro is when it finally comes out of beta is the co-op for Halo. I know there's not going to be any dual screen co-op, but like there's still going to be online co-op. Yeah, no, um, I'll definitely because I, I got into the beta for the co-op. Yeah. And then was like, oh, I don't have any other friends in the beta. I literally can't play it like because <laughs> it doesn't let you just invite someone random to play co-op through the what? campaign. with. Yeah. You have to like invite a friend to play a co-op campaign. And I was like, but it's a beta. Well, so we I literally would have had to have applied for the beta too, and right? Then... Like we literally would have had to both apply and both get in and then I'd be experiencing it. But it's hilarious. Like I reinstalled the whole game on my series X to be like, yeah, I'm in the co-op beta. And then was like, Oh, dumb. Um, okay. Next game. Oh, this is another one. Hashtag oh, weird. Dumb. Weird. This is like perfectly transitions into this. I swear. I didn't read this question until just now. Jay, thoughts on Halo Infinite September roadmap? Wow, intriguing. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm one of the few people that has been pretty happy, I guess, with the support for Halo Infinite so far. Uh, I think people just keep wanting more, faster, but they just they kind of pigeonhole themselves into a weird position with waiting to release Forge, waiting to release co-op. And so... I think maybe people want more smaller updates, like just more new maps, more new, you know, just like content being dropped into the multiplayer. And I'm hopeful that you'll start to see more of that after they get this out of the way. Like, I think once they do get co-op released, right, then it's like, okay, that was the other major component, basically. Like, get co-op out there, get Forge out there. And then they can just start working on like more little supplementary updates. But I honestly think that the biggest flaw in not only their September roadmap, but their entire roadmap so far has been that they just tried to think of Halo uh, as like making it the new Fortnite or the new Warzone and, you know, having a battle pass, having all these unlockable cosmetics and all this. And I get that that's what's working in the industry lately. And so to yeah. some degree, you want to emulate the success of others. But to me, I would have been like, just stay true to what made Halo Halo. And like you could have made really addictive, fantastic co-op and not felt the need to kind of try to turn it into a live service game. Um, I would rather see Halo just stand on its own merits than try to fit in with the crowd. I, I just want to say something as an outsider. And again, I kind of, I feel like it connects with something that we just said just a moment ago. And when I heard the news that the split screen thing was cut, I was kind of like, who gives a shit? And I was like, who's like, who's like, it's got to be a very select few groups of people. And I know you're out there and I'm sorry, but like, I know there's people out there that still play on the couch at home, like with people but like, that's not me. I'm playing solo by myself all the time. So I really don't give a shit. And I feel like this is where it's connecting to what we just said. It's one of those things that we ask for that we think we want, but we don't really want. 
I agree entirely with this statement. So I, I like Wara brought that up as well. I don't give a shit about co-op split screenplay because I live on my own with two cats. Okay. I go out of my way to buy a second controller for every mini console that doesn't come with one. Do you know how many times that's come in handy? Like twice with like maybe two of the mini consoles that I own when I convinced a girlfriend or somebody at the time to play some Super Nintendo with me or something. But I literally go out of the way to buy a second controller and then realize that I never fucking use them because nobody plays couch co-op and I'm just buying this shit to play it by myself for nostalgia and I should just realize that. And I always buy it being hopeful. Being like, well, maybe one day someone will want to come over and like two players some of these games with me. No, nope, no, nope, doesn't happen. Doesn't really happen. Um, and even if I had a roommate and we both really loved Halo in today's day and age, that roommate would probably because he also loves Halo own his own Xbox or PC or something and yeah. like have his own monitor. And we would just probably end up playing in separate rooms in the same fucking house or in the same room, but on two separate screens. And why would I want to share my goddamn screen with my roommate? If there are multiple TVs in the house and we could just each be playing with our own screen, I playing on a split screen sucks. Do you remember playing four player Goldeneye Garbage. and being relegated, relegated to this one little corner Back of your parents were fucking four inches tops. Like I was about to say your parents, 24 inch television. Like we had like a 32 inch and that felt like a big goddamn screen. Yeah. Like people would come over and be like, your TV's huge. Right. Uh, yeah, no split screen sucks in a number of ways. And I think there's a ton of reasons why it's not the norm anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and even games that have couch co-op, like, be honest with yourself. How often do any of us play couch co-op anything with anybody in the modern age, right? Like, The only game uh, that I've ever felt that needed, like, its, like, own built-in co-op where you could just, like, have a friend <coughs> is Fall Guys. Like, I just really yep. wish that, like, you didn't have to have, like, a whole other system. But um, War One in the chat uh, put a good point. I think that's the burn that happens with a lot of devs when they burn themselves by making absolute statements that they yep. can't live up to or like, cause shit changes, man. Like, like you think that agree. it's going to be a certain direction, but it just ends up not being. So I think the takeaway from that is don't make absolute statements that are just going to burn yeah. you later on. I would say Wara, like you're asking a question you already know the answer to if you're saying, but why promise it? Because the answer is because they fucked up because they promised something and then later on realized that what they had promised was a stupid thing to promise. But they didn't know that when they made the promise. Right. And maybe and at I the agree. time it's that like, was true. It was true for them at the time. Maybe they were aiming for it. They they aimed to have co-op at launch in general, which they didn't have, right? So, yeah, yeah, lots of promises that were made were not fulfilled on. But I don't think that means that we have to sit here now and say that the September roadmap is dumb. I think in a lot of ways you can look at that and say, yeah, no, that's a smart decision. There's so many other things to concentrate on with this game. Why would you be funneling resources towards a split screen mode that practically nobody is ever going to fucking play? Right. So to me, I'm like, that's cutting your losses. That's them eating their their own foot there and being like, yep, we screwed up. We put our foot in our mouth. We promised some shit that we can't give you, uh, but we're going to cut that so that we can deliver some stuff that more people are going to care about then. Right. Like, yeah, I think that's a smart decision. 
Like I would just I would just say for this again as like not a fan of the of the Halo series um is I know that that decision probably pissed off a lot of people and I just for my criticism I would say that like stick to what the game like again it's just it what we we called to at the beginning of the episode is just like the fans want you to do what you were famous for doing or like what like initially got you all those yeah. fans. And yeah, like it's like, it's just when like big corp gets in the decision-making room and then like you make decisions for monetary reasons. And there's just a lot of that in the industry right now. Um And Wara, for the record, like out of all the things that you just said there, the one that I do really agree with is if you're upset, just go play something else because that's always the answer at the end of the day is that like, you know, you don't owe it to the developer to play Halo, but at the end of the day, they don't really owe anything to you either. Like they're just doing their job, creating a product and it's your decision about whether you not you want to play it. But I do think it's funny, like saying like, it can't be both. They can't over promise and fans want too much. And I'm like, sure it can. Like you can have unrealistic expectations on both sides. Right. Um, and I, I think at the end of the day, I, w- I was making a generalization, not with Halo, but about gamers with lots of things that sometimes we want things and they're either not realistic or they wouldn't actually be the best thing to deliver in that game. But we just get all worked up about something we think that we want. I also think that the developers of Halo definitely overpromised with Infinite on a number of things. Right. They also said it would be a launch title for the Series X. Yeah, I think War One in the chat here. I think this last point that you're making is a really good point. That I have seen so many content creators blaming the gamers. Gamers didn't ask them to try to make it a release date, and that's true. I think that's true. Like a lot of the times, the easiest scapegoat is to blame the audience. Is to like sure blame blame the audience for why this movie or TV show is fucking eating shit in the reviews, or like blame like oh they're just haters or they're review bombing or whatever, or blame the gamers for the reason why this happened in gaming. And at the end of the day, it's just like no, like it's the people who make the game, and I think right now the period of time that we're in games have just like become something so much more than what they used to be just games. Now they're like, they're like, they're, they're channels for money to be made for, for free to play and all this other big stuff. And they're, they're trying to become this whole new thing. They're, 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 they're content now, instead of just like a game, like, uh, mm-hmm. it's just this weird transition period. And I do agree. I think a lot more games need to go back to basics where it's just like, how about start with make a great game, like start well, there. And the funny thing about it is that I fucking like Halo Infinite. So it's funny to be like, well, don't blame the fans. Cause I'm like, I don't blame anybody. I thought it was a good fucking game. I liked it when I play it. I like it now. I'm like halfway through my second playthrough on the campaign. I liked the multiplayer. I thought the multiplayer slapped. But that's where I think people maybe want too much out of it because I'm like, it's a good game. It's just, it was a good game when they launched it. It's a good game now. It'll be a good game with co op. But I think maybe because they build it as this live service, constantly updated Fortnite esque experience. That that's why like everything gets hyper over analyzed now because it needs to have a roadmap. 
the very fact that they have a roadmap. There was no roadmap for old Halos. You just made Halo 3 and it was a good game and you put it out into the world. You moved on with your goddamn life. You made a different game. And that's where it gets convoluted. (laughs) Instead of like the priority being like maybe a DLC or like maybe this. It's like, no, we need to have a roadmap for this season and the next season because we're making it this way. And it's like one thing I will say, though, as as a critic of just the gaming industry, I really think Microsoft and 343 need to do better at allocating their resources because Halo is your fucking bread and butter. And you, I don't know what the hiring process is like right now, but I just feel like when you have contracted developers that are only on contract for a year or six months, you need your own solid team. And like, you shouldn't be contracting a lot of this work out where people have to pick up where others have left off. And I just feel like the management isn't there and that's not just for 343 i think for a lot of these games and they just need some real devoted dedication and like just the care put into them but right now it's just been like so much has been going on with all the acquisitions i can see how some shit slips through the cracks yep um okay let's move on to some other questions here maybe they're just as spicy as that one uh this one's for me jimmy if Bloodborne remake slash PC port slash Bloodborne tune gets confirmed within one calendar year, will you shave your hair off? Why do I have to shave my hair off? Can I just buy a few copies to say sorry for talking so much shit? Um, I like it because it says extreme confidence if you say yes. Like, if you say yes, you're clearly extremely confident that you're right and that there's no Bloodborne 2, there's no remakes, you know never coming. Get your booger picking fingers out and get ready to clip this. I will say, if Bloodborne 2 or a Bloodborne PC port or a Bloodborne remaster comes out in the next calendar year from today, so September September 6th, 2023, I will shave my head. Not announced, folks, released. So you have to be able to play it before September 6th of 2023. But you have to be able to send... Because the steam code because i was talking shit um what happens if i'm right though i don't know (laughs) nothing it's a zero sum bet we just go good job we just go good job i get get to keep your fucking hair that's what happens i get 10 miyazaki dick sucks i don't know (laughs) you get a lovely head of luscious hair to keep it's yours i don't want 10 copies of blow i guess i could give them away um no dude 10 copies of bloodborne 2 would be like 800 dollars. like that's way too much to ask of anybody um one copy i don't know half a copy i don't give a shit um okay this one's for you jay retro uh oh this is our last question i heard there is a cyberpunk 2770 dlc are you keen to play i think we answered that in the beginning of the episode yeah yeah, 100% I am. 100% I am. I'm not even done the main game yet, but I am excited to play the DLC after I finish the main game. I bought all the DLCs for The Witcher 3, and I still haven't gotten to them yet. But yeah, I like these cyberpunk narratives uh, that I've been playing through so far in the game. I'm excited to play more of them. It's a good game. You should play it. Jimmy, you should buy it for $20 on I'm GOG. I'm like right after this, I'm going to go to cdkeys.com, everybody, and I'm going to buy 
uh, Cyberpunk 2077 for $20 and see if I can import it into my Steam library. And if I can't, whatever, there's one game I have to open up a separate launcher for. Okay, well, that's there's our uh, what we're going to check. And I think I just like exited stream chat by accident, but that's fine. But I was going to say, can you import games from GOG to Steam? Let's see if. uh, Yes. Yes, you can. Oh, there we go, then. Yeah. Done. Boom. Done. Donezo. And I get to actually, like, <laughs> utilize my RTX 3080 to its fullest uh, and play a game that's going to utilize. You know what? Blood, uh, Elden Ring does push it pretty hard. Like, I, I hear my fucking PC, like, kick up quite a bit when I play Elden Ring. But that's because that game just, like, it loads so much uh, into the RAM. Like, well, that's part of the fun of playing on a gaming laptop is knowing that you have to spend money on good over ear headphones because it sounds like a goddamn jet is trying to take off whenever you play. Like, pretty that's much regardless it. of whatever laptop you get, they're all like yeah. that. If you play any yeah. games on it, like the fans, how have else to are you going to put right? And how are you going to put like an efficient cooling system in something that's that thick and make it quiet? Like, yeah, it's no. just not no. No, they, they they like they immediately go to 100% fan speed and like they have mm-hmm. to stay there. Like and- minus three settings and it's like silent performance and turbo. And it's like, yeah, if I'm editing a YouTube video or playing a video game or something, it damn well better be on turbo. Right. Yeah. And as soon as you go up to turbo, it's just like. It's like that thing in your mom's sock drawer, man. Yeah. Earlier, I can't remember. We're talking about Game Boys and needing like eight AA batteries. And then War One in the chat was like, that's not all my sister used AA batteries for or some shit like that. I was like, oh. Puns tonight. I feel like it's being being full of puns. He's working on his stand-up routine. You should do stand-up, War Like, there's some times where you just hit the zingers, like, so on the head. Um... Yeah, that's that's all we have for you tonight, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Jay Retro's gonna watch the fo- the fo- finale of season four of Stranger Things. That's correct. That's and correct. I'm excited. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy Cyberpunk. And I'm gonna some food. I'm hungry, man. See, I was smart because last time we ended late, and the McDonald's drive-through was closed, and there was no other 24-hour places, and I had to fucking get a dirty fucking chicken caesar wrap from 7-eleven like a hobo i think and i'm gonna drive to burger king get two whoppers you know yeah that's, that's pretty sick a couple whopper boys a little flame broil i'm feeling it right now yeah all right everybody well it was a lot of fun you do us one last favor have yourselves a great day everybody cheers everybody. peace out everyone cheers bye